What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Nazi podcast. This week, we're going to be analyzing the UFC 273 card headlined by Volkanovski versus Korean Zombie, the rematch between Aljamain and Peter Yan, and of course, Gilbert Burns versus Hamzat Shemaev. Amazing fight card going down this Saturday. I'm really excited for it. I'm stoked to be back with my man Ozzy after our week off last week. So uh, how has the past uh, two weeks been for you, Ozzy, and how are we doing this week? I love it, man. We're going right out, you know, leaving uh, Q1 right there. Uh, great pay-per-view card we're, uh, we're stepping into here. A lot, uh, lot of news, right? A lot of insider trading going on. Baseball season starting. I just love everything's going on right now. Um, you know, good, good time for uh, MMA betting, obviously. I hope PFL stays around because that's uh, another big event that we have, uh, you know, after Q1, right? When we hit, head into the spring, Bellator is on like every, you know, every month or, you know, maybe twice a month, sometimes PFL and then obviously UFC and all contender the other uh, regional cards. So contender series coming. Oh, you know, that's a little later. But uh, but yeah, this is I think when like MMA season like really kicks into to form, you got people that, you know, fought maybe in January, February getting uh, fights again. So you have like recent tape uh, as well. And, uh, and yeah, you know, everybody's getting in the flow of things, you know, everybody's, you know, happy because it's not cold anymore. Um, spring season's upon us and hopefully, uh, we continue, uh, we, we get back on pace. I had a little, little bit of rough, little rough run with some variants, making good bets still, but, uh, but yeah, very excited, uh, to get, to get back to this pay-per-view card. Um, and hopefully get some winners and, uh, and, and an exciting, uh, fight card for sure. Yeah, I agree with all of that. The getting these uh the crowd back in the audience uh back in the building is really oh, yeah. good. The Columbus crowd it was a pretty shitty crowd, but like it's just st- it still felt like good to have like fans in in the arena watching. Obviously, we're gonna be in front of a sold out arena in Jacksonville, I'm sure. And um, a lot of MMA Twitter is gonna be uh in attendance. I hear you know. So um, really, really, all I know is uh, I I hope no scraps about the insider trading you know takes place that's true that's, that's true uh, i i hope you know i hope i heard billy walters and phil mickelson you know they don't get along too well uh after their uh little snafu so i hope uh mma twitter is able to uh you know be friendly with each other that's true um we could have another uh Bader hari glory situation in our hands <laughs> and uh Quick recap of last week or last, two weeks ago for me, the last card, Dawkins Blades, uh, 1.14 unit profit for me and our, our best bet. Parlay did win two underdog plus money bets. Uh, Mateus Nikolaou, sharp uh, bet by you. And then Marky Casey, uh, you know, even sharper Very bet sharp. by me. Yep. Um, and uh, what about you, your overall results? Max Griffin, Max Griffin would have made the night a big night, but, you know, like you said, some variance yeah. there. We're, we're making good bets. Man, I mean, you look at this, like, the bets that I lost. Max Griffin, right? Uh, Obviously, great, great dog pick. You know, he, that second round, contentious, you know, started off really strong. I was talking to you just now, like, you know, Max Griffin, after that fight, seven and eight indecisions. Neil Magny does what he does, 15 and two indecisions. You don't put that guy away. You don't put a stamp on the rounds. This guy just claws his way back. So respect to him. Good fight by him. You know, good bet, I think, overall. Nah, probably biggest biggest bet of the night. You know, did uh, didn't hit there. I was feeling good about it. Obviously, dropped him in in, in uh, round one or took him down. Finished strong. Got caught with that spinning back fist. Uh, and then uh, you know that Asgar by submission. Love that. Love that bet. Obviously, he was twisting you know Kai Car France up a few times. So I thought that that was a good bet I, either way. And probably the only bad bet was you know 
thinking that uh, Sarah McCann or McMahon would uh, be able to find uh, a submission or quit. And uh, she did neither. You know, typical Sarah McMahon, just always letting people down other than their her money line betters. But yeah, I mean, those are all good bets, I feel. You know, I don't regret any of them. Um, so yeah, we're coming. We're going to continue on. I stay, think up a little less than 10 units, 9 units maybe uh, for the first quarter. Um, down from like, you know, the high of like 20 units, give or take. But um, yeah, just make good bets. The results are what they what they are. And, uh, you know, hopefully come out on the right side of them. Yeah, only uh, eight units profit for, for me for the first three months. And um, but I'm excited for the, the second quarter, like you said. And with that being said, let's get into these first of 13 fights. Really good prelims, stacked main card. Really looking forward to these main card fights, and uh, let's get right into it. We got Bantamweight Division, Julio RC taking on Daniel Willie Cat Santos. Uh, Santos making his UFC debut. Julio Arce, minus 180. Uh, Daniel Santos, plus 155. So we got uh, New York City versus Brazil here. You want to start this one off, Ozzy? Yeah, sure. So, you know, obviously, Arce, double the fights of uh, of Santos, uh, proven UFC guy coming off that KO loss uh, to Song Yudong, where it was uh, mildly competitive, and then he just got bonked with that uh, right head kick. Um, coming in here, it's it's interesting to look like you know. Obviously, I think I mentioned before, you know, Charles Oliveira, right, UFC champion. So what happens hot on the heels of that? He, you know, you gotta sign one of his boys, right? You got a UFC belt, you get two friends in the UFC, and Daniel Santos is is the first one. I think the guy's kind of legit. You know, he he's fought on some good cards, right? Brave FC, um, ACA, ACB, what are, all the A's, uh, ACC is next. I I would assume they just rebrand whenever an <laughs> oligarch, whenever an oligarch gets taken down over there, um, they rebrand. What's the what's the deal over there? Are they gonna still do ACA cards with the war going on? Like, are the do they have any of those guys in the war? Nobody talks about the Russians that are at war. They only talk about the Ukrainians. But I wonder <laughs> if they have. Don't you wonder, dude? I if think they, they did, have. They had ACA like two or three weeks ago. I'm pretty sure. Did they? I wonder though if they have any of these motherfuckers. Like, yo, you're going f to fucking war. I. They should do something like that. I, I'd like Amasov to get some heads. But anyway, um. Yeah, so Santos, I mean, this guy's a finisher. You know, the only fight that he lost uh, was a decision L. Um, he throws spinning back kicks like they're going out of style um, and spinning back fists as well. But And he's fought some legit competition, right? Um, the Silva guy was like 8-0, 9-0 when he fought him. He finished him. Um, so, you know, and, and he's been out for a while now, you know, going through this prime you know, his prime 20s. So I expect some improvement. I've heard that this action coming in on Santos is a bit sharp, but he's fighting the guy in Arce, very layered striker, southpaw, um, good jab, you know, uh, keeps his uh, his guard up pretty high. You know, he, he got hit by with that head kick by Song, but his hands were up. You know, he, he it hit his arms and then, like, it kind of bonked his head off of that. Um, so he keeps his defense pretty tight. He's still down at 135. He's getting a little up there in age, but he's very, very well-rounded. I think that if he could draw out some of these attacks uh, with feints from Willie Cat, I think he's going to start having success later on, landing the more accurate punches, possibly going into the clinch and looking for takedowns. You know, Arce's not really that much of a leg attack kind of guy. He he kind of gets these takedowns from the clinch. He goes for trips, uh, slips around to the back. 
um and and he's very proficient in jujitsu um you know this guy was like a black belt you know 10 years ago when i when i was like competing and doing tournaments i was seeing him in no in no gi competition so you know outside with uh with, with julio arce here I, like i said i've heard that the the, the movement on santos is sharp um but, but i'd be looking at possibly arce here um possibly by decision or uh maybe on Fanduel, one of those double chance props where it's a submission or decision because i feel if willy cat goes a little later on and uh and, and arce uh, gets this fight down i do think that a submission is possible and i think arce little in, i think that uh this might be one of the last fights on his contract so i do think that he's looking uh to get a win here so uh that i think that uh the decision line at plus 150 is uh is worth a look potentially as well as opposed to laying the juice yeah i think you're right about that last fight in the contract this is his eighth fight in the ufc so you know logic is the four and four um and you know both these guys are cool you know santos uh does seem promising training out of shoot to box but uh has not fought for two and a half years last fight was 2019 uh december um so you know, you got to wonder what he's been doing with that time off. I'm, I'm sure he's improved. Like Ozzy was saying, he was supposed to fight Marcelo Rojo and Team Revaliev. Those fights got canceled. Um, and, you know, it's been six months since those fights were scheduled. So maybe he had an injury prefer them. I'm not really sure. Um, but what, what I'm seeing from the guy is, you know, like I said, he does look promising. looks like a, a really good offensive striker, but he doesn't really offensively grapple. Doesn't seem to have much grappling upside. The fight that he lost was him getting taken down over and over again uh, by some Russian dude. Um, but, you know, he, he's going to be probably the smaller guy than Arce. He doesn't have grappling upside. It's his UFC debut. It, he has two and a half year layoff. It just seems like too many, you know, possible question marks red flags to be backing them here against an established ufc vet like arce and i um, mean you know, when you don't have like a multi-faceted threat like grappling and striking i really feel like or if you're not a really high level striker like dawadu or um, song yudong i really feel like arce is still a pretty high quality fighter and i think that arce should be pretty safe uh to win this fight uh, i think that he can you know possibly win the striking with his experience and the size and then uh, he should have the, all the grappling upside in this fight so i like arce i think he's very positive capable of covering his price tag and i think it's kind of like a favorite or pass situation so i think uh santos will stick around um he'll definitely win ufc fights but this is a tough test to make his ufc debut and uh, that's going to take us to the next fight. By far, the I wouldn't say by far because this is speculation, but this seems to be the fight getting the most action out of any of these 13 fights, which is just amazing to me. It's in the women's strawweight division. We have Piero Rodriguez making her UFC debut. Kay Hansen, seven, uh, um, I almost said a record, but uh, Kay Hansen uh, fighting again, second time in 2022. Um, we got... Piera minus 113, Hansen minus 107. I'm pronouncing her name right, right? Piera, Ozzy? Yeah, Piera. I call her Pe Perra just because I want her to be a dog in that cage. But yeah, Piera's cool. <laughs> um, that, that's good right there. Um, but, you know, so this seems like a pretty striker versus grappler matchup, right? You know, Hansen is definitely at her most comfortable when grappling. Uh, Piera does have some solid offensive boxing. You know, I'm mildly impressed with her offensive boxing it seems like she's got some good pop behind her punches which goes a long way in the women's division and um man i'm just a k hansen hater i'll come out and say it you know we we, we cashed on jasmine jazz davidius uh probably one of the best money line bets of all of 2022 so far and uh was a great read there and 
you know, Hansen just fought really poorly in that fight, right? She's fighting a big, strong Canadian woman, 125 pounder. Um, and if you watch uh, Jasmine's fights, she was a bad striker. She's not comfortable at striking range. She gets hit a lot. But when the fight gets in the clinch, she can use her strength, her size, her grappling to make these fights close. So if I'm a coach going into that game plan, I'm saying let's not wrestle the bigger woman. Let's just throw punches. Let's just strike with her because Jasmine was not throwing strikes at all in that fight. But, you know, just a really terrible approach from Hanson there. Her coaches told her it was 1-1 going into round three. It was clearly 2-0 for Jasmine. And then maybe Hanson won round three, but she lost the decision super clearly. So bad performance there. And then like a week or two later, she already accepted this fight against Pierre. So it's not like she went back to, to the drawing board and is saying, let's improve where, where I was uh, you know, weak in the fight. She just accepted this fight right away. She said, okay, 125 is not working. Let's cut back down to 115. And I don't know, man. I'm just, I just don't get good vibes from Hanson. She trains at kind of a smaller gym where I think she's pretty much like the the highest level woman fighter there. While uh, Pierre, no, they got they got a few people there. They got a few people there. Um, but you said Pierre. I don't know who, Durant, but they right? got a few people. Pierre, uh, Pierre, yeah, Pierre is like in like a. I think she's at that roof good gym. Tab Tabitha Reese is there too, maybe or something. Um, yeah, yeah, they're all cross training, yeah. Yeah, so like she's got some other UFC, you know, bodies there against her. And, um, you know, Piera, the striking should be, you know, rather one-sided for Piera. Um, you know, we haven't really seen Piera, like, strike with another competent woman. So maybe Hanson has some success. But, um, you know, the wrestling also... Uh, you know, you got to think favors Hanson. She probably is the better grappler, but we've, we haven't seen Pierre look like a bad grappler, right? He, she had one fight against a woman named like her Horacho, and she was briefly taken down there. She stood right back up and she started outboxing the woman and won 30, 27. So, you know, the people who are confident in Hanson don't really make sense to me. Like, if, if there was tape out there of Pierre looking terrible as a grappler, I would say, okay, back Hanson. But I don't know. This, this seems like a pretty justified 50-50 fight to me. Uh, I'll be leaning. I don't know, man. I've been kind of going back and forth with this one. Uh, I know which side you're on. Uh, but I, I, I'll, I guess I'll go Hanson just because I could see if her getting one one takedown in the center of the cage, it could be the, the end of the round. It could be a submission. So I feel like Hanson, you know, all she needs is a couple takedowns to win while Pierre needs the stuff takedowns. She needs to outboxer her cardio needs to hold up she needs to stay off the cage so i feel like hansen needs a lot less to go right for her but i would be very happy to see hansen lose Kiera <laughs> seems like the cooler fighter of the two so you know passes yeah this is a this is, i love this fight so i mean this this is a hilarious fight i mean obviously you see people everyone has like a super strong take on this fight very a lot of line movement going ping ping pong and back and forth um I mean, I just can't back Kay Hansen in any facet, any way. Um, you know, the the one to, the move up to one twenty five. Now, now she's you know the the OnlyFans thing. She's like bitching about her the the weight class now. The you know cutting down to one fifty. Bro, the girl's five foot three. Like, there's no reason. Like, I'm not trying to fat shame. There's no reason she should have a hard time making one fifteen at all. Um, you know, to the point where you're taking on a, a girl like Jasmine, uh, you know, in your second, whatever, third, fourth UFC fight. I don't know what it is. But look, Kay Hansen, man, there's a reason this girl is seven and five in MMA. You know what her bot her record in boxing is? One and four. This, she just <laughs> finds ways to fucking lose fights. It just is what the two fights that she had, right? The Corey McKenna and um G U Frey, they are the arguably both women are are atom weights, 
right? Like those are two girls that would be uh, viable to cut down to 105, uh, you know, if, if, uh, if it was possible. Um, you know, overall, I just feel like Hanson, you know, yes, the, the, the takedown threat is there. And you saw it in that Jasmine fight. You know, she, she did get in on the hips a few times. She got her against the fence. She was trying to pull, pull, pull the uh, double leg out. But, you know, Hanson, she's, she's uh, okay with going to her back very often you know if you're if you're doing any kind of get up stuff you know coming up you know she'll jump for a triangle she'll jump for a guillotine she'll uh just roll over to her back and from there i really don't think she's catching piera uh in 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 like a submission or something like that you know the 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 fight with uh Svet, svetlana I, I should know that word that name really well because i don't remember where i remember the svetlana i think it was like the real world or there was like one chick on some reality show. Her name was Svetlana, and she had like a huge rack, and I fell in love with her. <laughs> someone who, who, someone who, some one of the listeners, I guarantee you, will know who I'm talking about. Rem- mention to me. I don't know who, which show. Svetlana, Svetlana was, was in on. The Sopranos. There was a the Russian woman with. There was a leg. Svetlana there. Yeah. Okay, but no, there was a. This is a different. This is like a reality show. But anyway, so Svetlana, okay. People don't know this about Svetlana. So first of all, I thought Piera, her defensive grappling and her reactions actually, um, how she covered the top, you know, top the when she was on top, uh, defense and takedowns and stuff in that fight. I was very impressed. I actually thought it was very, very good. Um, and Svetlana actually has, you know, she has some decent wins. She actually has a win over a girl that Kay Hansen fought. I can't pronounce her name. Her name's uh, her last name is Sormova. Sormova, I think it is. Um, so Kay Hansen actually fought her too, and she lost, and Kay actually lost to her, if I'm correct. And uh, Svetlana actually fought uh, Wei Li Zhang back in the day. Who would have known? So she was legit, and uh, and I thought Pierre looked pretty good, looked okay in that fight. Yes, she got taken down a little bit later in that fight, but I feel like Kay going down to 115, bitching about this weight cut. You know, if she's like in shape, if she's doing her cardio, if she's doing all that stuff. I don't think this this cut is a problem. But I don't really think she is doing that. I think this cut down to 115 is not going to be great for her. I, I didn't really see a lot of energy for her from her in that uh, fight against uh, Jasmine. Like it was a contentious fight. Even if you thought if you thought it was one one, like she didn't really come out in that third round. I thought very well. Um, I just think that's uh, Piera is going to be able to land a jab. I think she's going to be able to to stay away from some of these takedowns. But it's a pick 'em fight, right? I bet Piera at pl- at plus money. I'm cons- I'm feeling a little better though. As the week goes on, I'm kind of thinking. After looking at Kay again, um, I just feel like she's not gonna fight optimally. Like this girl, she just like I said, she just loses fights. Like she was gonna lose that Gu Frey fight if she didn't land that armbar, that miracle armbar. She was a big dog on the live line, and you know, switching out from camps. She used to the best time her jujitsu and her her whole MMA game was when she was uh, in Invicta, right? In Invicta, she was looking amazing, right? She was landing all these takedowns, you know, uh, keeping top position, you know, twisting bitches up, you know, all that stuff. But what was she doing back then? That was back when she was training with 10 Planet, uh, you know, Jiu-Jitsu. That was back when her boyfriend was Keith Krikorian, who, shout out to him, just won ADCC trials in the 66-kilogram weight class, looked amazing. Um, that they were, they were dating back then. So you know this bitch was grappling a lot with him, day and night. If you know what I mean. 
and uh and they broke up she she went to like another gym she that she got away from some of this grappling stuff she's like training with i don't know talk, talking about training with tj Dillish. i don't know what she's doing in that csw gym but obviously not a great gym if they're watching that fight cage side and thinking that she won any of the rounds against jasmine uh jazavisius so i think i'm back in uh piera here um, I might add on her, but, you know, I don't want to pay too much juice. So I'm a little bit, you know, wary of it. But I, I just don't think that Kay is going to be, um, you know, getting this top position as much as people think she is. Um, so if I was going to play Kay Hansen, let's get that sub prop. It's plus 450, 400. Why don't you play? Like, why aren't we on that? You know, that's a sub 20% outcome. You know, if Kay's winning, it's from takedowns and from taking her back, mounting her, you know, do you know, Piera maybe gets taken down, UFC jitters, tries to pop up r really quickly, gives up her back, and K jumps on it. But I just can't trust this girl, man. Only fans cutting down to 115. You know, she doesn't want to. Um, seven and five in her career, one and four in boxing, switching camps all the time. Fucking yeah. All right. So Piera, Piera's been gearing up for this. I like her. Let's go with her. Sounds good there. That's not the show. I'm, I'm not super committed. Not super committed, but I think that you got, uh, you got plus money. I mean, here still. Yeah, you already made the. I right think there's still a little edge here, but like I said, that sub prop, bro, is plus. It was plus five hundred on Fanduel. Like, that's, yeah, if, that's if, Hansen's, a big if Hansen's winning, it's by grappling, so we might as well take that's that. So, um, middleweight fight next. Uh, Josh Friend coming in here on short notice. Anthony Hernandez taking on Josh Friend. We have Hernandez minus one ninety. Friend plus one sixty five. You got any faith in the uh, the LFA veteran Friend here? Not really. You know, Friend's been the guy. You know, I, I was I was keeping up with him in LFA. Obviously, you know, LFA sends a lot of uh. A lot of these guys over to the UFC, especially in these, uh, actually in these higher weight classes as well, just because the prospects are fewer and far further between, so that you know they often get matched up here, um, in these fights. You know, I've been a supporter of Fluffy Hernandez. Um, you know, overall, obviously he hasn't been as active as I wish he was. I don't know if he had um some other fights scheduled that uh you know ended up falling through, but this guy's got a pretty good motor. Obviously, the durability issues is what uh, some people point to when thinking that he he can't be trusted. But Josh, you know, you don't really like what what is like what's his deal? He he fought um this guy Joel in the last fight. You know, Joel is a a former college wrestler. Didn't really look to to grapple really well in that fight. And you know, Josh was just able to take over and and and, uh, and I think get a finish in that fight. But his chin is super up in the air. I think it still be a competitive fight. I will say. I think it will be competitive, but the fact that Anthony Hernandez has been in these very contentious fights, the fact that I know that um, you know his gas tank and he's always, is is able to help him find the finish later on in fights, and he's able to build up. He's got like a a very steady pace, whereas Josh, I feel, is a little bit frantic. You know, he's a really tall middleweight. You know, at six four. Um, so I think he he's used to these dudes folding a lot, right? He's got a lot of round one finishes. Um, he's he has that one fight against um. Sky Hanato, where you know I, I didn't rewatch the fight for this one, th th this uh this time around, but I watched it a few weeks ago when when, when he was uh, getting ready for that uh for his last fight, and I came away thinking that you know that he wasn't really ready for the UFC, right? I think he he's gotten a little bit of uh, good matchmaking overall. I think some of these guys have been a little bit um you know not one dimensional, but a little bit either you know. Their, either their physicality is lacking or their skills are lacking. And what I think Anthony Hernandez 
he's fought guys on both ends of the spectrum. Guys that are very talented and guys, you know, very skilled and guys that are very physical like Hadolfo, right? And he's shown that he's very competent in a lot of areas. Um, so, so I kind of like him here. Um, obviously the line's going gotten up to minus 200. So I don't think I would back him at that price. I do think it'll be competitive. So I'll be looking for a live, uh, entry on, uh, Hernandez, but this is, you know, the over under is set at one and a half, but I do think that Hernandez, um, could start to pull away from, from Josh as it goes later, but because I'm not confident in him being able to have grappling upside here in getting takedowns and pushing it, um, I don't think that he's a very good play at this uh, minus 200 price tag, but I will pick him, you know, to win. Yeah, so I, I don't think you can be back in Hernandez at this price either. I mean, this guy's fights are, are just are, are wild, honestly. They're volatile. They're back and forth. Um, they typically finish. This guy's definitely like a, a killer be killer type of fighter. And I just don't think he fights with eno enough process or, you know, reliable outcomes or whatnot to be back in him at minus 190. I mean, uh, I don't think he's really looked minus 190 in any, I mean, even the fights he won against Park and, and Vieira and, and uh, Jordan, Wright. I mean, I guess he smoked Jordan Wright pretty easily, but this guy was also hurt to the body by uh, Maluka Perez and Kevin Holland got finished by both of them off of body shots. So, you know, not the, the best, you know, sign for the future. You know, you, you think that, uh, you think that you'd be able to take some of those uh, body shots, but I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, body shots are weird. Sometimes like, no matter all the conditioning in the world, you could do just the right place shot uh, can shut you down. But I mean, friend is a big athletic guy. I mean, the guy is six, four, huge middleweight. It definitely seems like he has some, some pop in his punches. Most of his wins come by knockout in round one. And, he doesn't really look like a good grappler. We haven't seen him grapple much, but there's a fight against a guy named Gidron back in 2018, and he, he did not look like a good grappler there. So if Hernandez pushes the takedowns and, and grapples heavy here, he could cover that price tag. Uh, but if the fight stays standing, man, this is going to be back and forth, volatile. You know, these guys are going to be swinging, trading. I think one guy is probably going to get knocked out at some point here on the feet. And, you know, I'll take I'll take friend here for a small bet, you know, half unit, three quarters of a unit or something. Uh, you know, he's getting into the he's probably been, you know, on the fringe of the UFC for a while now, getting this short notice call up. Um, and I think I think he'll be ready for this one. And I think he's really got a good chance to, to hurt Hernandez here in round one. So look out for a friend upset, maybe even a friend knockout in the first round. And uh, that's going to take us to the next fight, which pulling up tapology. We got amazing fight here. Rescheduled fight. It was supposed to be Olenek versus Latifi. That would have been incredible. A bit of a bummer we lost that one. But they got a good replacement. Jared Vandera coming in here on short notice. Alexi Olenek. This fight is a pick -em. Dead even at minus 110 right now. And, you know... You can't feel too great about Van Derek, considering he is coming in on short notice. The guy does typically weigh in right at 265, so the dude cuts weight for heavyweight. But uh, you check his Instagram. The guy's been in the gym a lot lately. Ever since he lost to Arlovsky, he's been posting pics in the Instagram uh, in the gym nonstop. Did a jiu-jitsu tournament, I think, two weeks ago. So the guy's been training. He's been active. I'm sure he's going to make the weight. I mean, when you're when you're that obese, it's not that hard to you know shave down a few pounds to make 265. Uh, but the guy does typically have good cardio in round three, right? The Tafa fight was a good three round performance. He won round three against Arlovsky. And you might think that his his cardio might not be as tip top shape considering it's short notice, but still. Bandera here, I think he's got to be the side, right? I mean, Olenek is, is 43 years old, you know, 100 fights into his MMA career. And Olenek obviously needs takedowns to win, right? He's not, he's not going to, I doubt he's going to outstrike Bandera for long periods of time. 
without significantly slowing down. And so Olenek's going to need takedowns. But this guy's takedowns are like almost guard pulls at this point. Like he just gets a body lock and like tries to like fall to the ground like with you. It's like some like some self-defense jujitsu takedowns, honestly. And I don't, I don't know, man. I just don't trust this guy's wrestling enough to get Vandera down. I mean, Vandera's uh, was he was hard to hold down with Romanov in round one. I mean, Romanov took him down in round one and uh, Vandera was able to get back to the feet. He stood up a few times. He got back the distance. So if you, if he is, you know, stuffing and, and disengaging from the takedowns from Alexander Romanov, I don't think he's going to have much trouble with the takedowns of 43 year old Olenek. Um, obviously there's a difference in, in top position between the two, but still, I think Vandera's takedown defense is good enough. I think his cardio, obviously he has the advantage here. Uh, he's very likely to win round three. If the fight gets that far. And I think his striking is good enough to give Olenek some issues on the feet as well. The only possible issue with uh, Vandera is the guy doesn't have much power, right? So if he's out striking Olenek, he's going to have to keep it together for the full 15 minutes, stuff takedowns, outstrike him. And, uh, you know, Olenek doesn't necessarily get knocked out easily. He gets hurt often, but he is a little hard to finish. So I could see Vandera having some trouble getting him away, but still, I, I think Vandera should be good to win a decision here, maybe even get a knockout. So I think there's value on Vandera. You know, don't go crazy on the short notice heavyweight, but man, I, I really think he should be, 55 60% here minimum. So there's there's big value on Bandera. Yeah, man, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, man, I was, you know, honestly devastated when uh yeah, I was devastated when that uh Latifi Olenek fight fell apart. You know, I was super disappointed. You know, I I I was really I was really hoping they would reschedule. That. I don't know what's going on with Latifi. He's running scared, but I mean, I agree with you in this fight and um you know, Olenek, he went life and death with uh you know, fucking Vandera's very Spivak. close brother, Sergey Spivak. Yeah, his, I mean, Spivak and Vandera have to be, like, distant, distant cousins. You know, very, like, I mean, these guys are just big, ugly, stupid, not very skilled. Um, Both B-minus strikers, though. Yeah, you know, you can't, you can't knock them out, or, no, sorry, Tom Aspel knocked them out, as I predicted. But, yeah, I mean, the thing is, with, 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 um, with Olenek, it's just, I can't, I mean, Olenek, he had that career performance against Verdum. Like, I don't know what the fuck happened that fight. Like, right. this dude honestly looked <laughs> like he could be, like, top three heavyweight in that fight. And I, I don't know what it, like, you know, Olenek's fighting for money right now. Let, let's be clear. I think he's got, like, three daughters. I think he might have two wives. But he said that, you know, it's, it's expensive living down in Florida. But I don't even know where he does, where does Olenek train? Does he train at ATT? Uh, I think so, not. yes. I think he does. Does he? Maybe. I do. Okay, so he, he might get some tips from Arlovsky. But, I mean, there's some people that think that Vandera beat Arlovsky. I'm not one of those people. But I do think that if that same fight happens against Olenek, he's definitely going to win. For so, sure. you know, Olenek has to hopefully drag, you know, drag Vandera down. I need to go back and look at this fight one more time, like once again, because I really do feel that there's likely value on Jared here, which is crazy to say, which is why I'm not like, you know, go, going too far ahead of my, getting too far ahead of myself. But I do think potentially there is some value in this dude, Jared. But he, he's taking this fight on like, what, two weeks notice? And I don't like that a lot from for this dude because the same shit happened against, uh, what's his name, Romanov, right? I think Romanov was a short, and he got mauled. And that was not fair. They they the, the they should not give anybody Romanov on short notice. It's not fair. 
Um, and he got destroyed in that fight. But here, you know, this dude, uh, Olenek, is going to have to just drag him down. He's going to have to get to a clinch. You know, I don't think I've ever seen, maybe I'm misremembering, but I don't really think I've ever seen Olenek land like a single leg or a double leg. Like, I don't remember, I don't even recall this guy's takedowns. All I remember is his, you know, Ezekiel chokes. But, I mean, Vandera, if you're Vandera, man, you, this is silver platter. It's like, yo, this is a, finally a guy who gives up, right? He, he's been standing TKO'd a few times. And, you know, you it's easy to hit him. So, you know, go do your thing. Like, you know, this guy went life and death with Maurice Green two years ago, okay? That was There's the last no time reason. he was favored, too. He's been an underdog in every fight since then. What I'm saying, so, like... You know, we're at pick em price here. Jared, you know, he's been competitive with some of these guys. Like you said, this guy's got no quit in him. Hopefully, he doesn't tap to the Ezekiel choke, right? Make him put you to sleep, bro. Black black and, belt, Team know, Quest. Yeah, fake black belt from Team Quest. You know, nobody there has ever <laughs> seen a gi. You know, Dan <laughs> Henderson has not rolled jiu-jitsu in at least 15 years. And, uh, but I just don't think that, uh, you know, Jared's really getting caught with that scarf hold bullshit because he's massive. That would be so embarrassing if he did. But uh, I got to see him on the scales. He got pulled from one of his fights. Which one was the fight that he got pulled? The Mirza Khanna fight. He got pulled from that fight. Like, I got to see this guy on the scale. I don't think this line is going to move all that much. But I do want to have, I love betting on pick'em fights. And I love betting on heavyweight fights. So I'm going to side with Jared. TBD on the bet. But I do think he could land on Olenek. I do think he could defend in the clinch, um, stay safe, and uh, work his way to a decision or maybe a finish. Uh, Later on, in the one fight. thing to monitor here: uh, Olenek's weight to Olenek versus Verdum, Lewis, and Spivak. The three fights he he had some some success in recently. He weighed two twenty seven, and the Dawkins fight where he just looked terrible. He weighed two forty. So if Ooh. if Olenek comes in north of like two thirty five, that that means he's coming in for that check, and he he ain't interested. And in, you know, what about say? this one? Yeah, what about the starts round two? Minus 128 on Fando, minus 150 on some other books. The over one and a half for you is 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 basically even money. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. How is that fight going to finish in round one? You know, 45. I really don't see Olenek tapping him in round one. No, like, no. And I don't see, I don't, I don't see Bandera see knocking him out in round one. That, that, might be, that might be the bet right there. That might be the bet. Starts oh, round two. That's going to be painful. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the next. We got next fight. Welterweight, uh, Mickey Gall taking on Mike. Um, is it Mallet or is it Malot? What is it? Malot, 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 Malot. So Malot. Uh, Malot minus one ninety, Mickey Gall plus one sixty five. What are your thoughts on this one? This is a very interesting fight because it's the classic, right? We love this one, right? Betters love the contender series favorite, right? We love this shit. And Mike Malot, I think, is an absolute fraud bag. And I was against them in the contender series fight but unfortunately that uh um i'm not anti-semitic but that jewish kid was not ready for he's like 20 20 years old i don't know what was going on i don't know if they did a favor to uri favor they were like hey man let's give your guy a little bit of a softball here we got this kid from israel who is a little bit green uh maybe your guy could tap him out and i just can't believe he got caught in that guillotine right away but Malat went straight to his back in that fight Malat used to fight i went for this guy fought hakeem the that would do. That would do. Uh, back a few years ago, and it was getting smoked in that fight, by the way. And uh, so he's fought as low as 145. He's fought like 48 seconds in the last like four years or something. Like, I don't think this guy's about this life. 
to put it very simply, you know, I know he's been, he was at team alpha male for a while and uh, you know, he was training with all those guys. He was like holding pads and all that shit. And I guess the contender series opportunity came around. They were like, Hey, you know, you're good enough. You know, you don't need to have to been active. Uh, we're going to give you a bump. Don't worry about it. And uh, you know, get this W but going against Mickey Gall, you know, I, I know a few guys in the Mickey Gall camp. Um, and they said, they're like, hey, man, like, yeah, this dude's legit for sure, blah, 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 blah. But he fought terribly against uh, Alex Morono, like just like a just the most awful, you know, IQ fight that you could that you could uh, put out there, you know, not using his his strongest attributes, which is his grappling. Um, but he's down in Sanford MMA for this camp. I think he knows. Right. I think he's lost. I don't know how many fight, how many fights in a row has he lost? A few. Just, just one, I think. Oh, Morono. just one. Oh, I forgot. He to beat, uh, yeah. But he knows that, like, you know, he's like eight and five, nine, nine, seven and three. I don't know what his freaking record. What is it? Seven and four. So he's about to have a K. Hansen fucking record if he loses this fight. <laughs> so I think he, he he knows that, and he you know he's investing himself. I think he's taking it serious, and I think in this fight, you know, this guy's got a good chin. Like the finishing props here on Malat are insane. Like they got Malat KO. Let me pull this up right now. This is insane. What? Why is it that? Why is it's it two to one? Dude, it's fucking crazy. It's less than two to one on some books. Bro, this guy Malat, he looks good on pads. He's not, I have not seen him throw other than that punch that he caught on that guy Renfro, who I know some guys that train with Renfro too, but Chin has looked a little iffy. Other than that, I have not seen him be able to throw a dangerous punch in an MMA fight. And Mickey Gold has got a rock head. I've heard this. This is from primary sources. You made it um, to a decision versus I, Mike Perry. This dude's not knocking him out. Yeah. Come on. I mean, I like, I really don't see that. But like the in, ITD is for Malat is like plus one. Like, dude, he's, I don't think he's submitting Mickey Gall. I don't really know about his cardio, right? It's very untested. So, I mean, you got, I'm, I'm back in, I'm, I was like on the fence because I just was so disappointed what Mickey did last time. But the fact that he's going, he went down to Sanford, he got away from, you know, his comfort zone in, up in New Jersey, got away from all that. You know, obviously he got three rounds of experience against a really legit, uh, well, to and Alex Morono, who's got a ton of experience. You know, I don't, there's something about Alex Morono. He puts a spell on guys, man. He makes them fight suboptimally. Look at his whole fight history. Every guy he's fought, you don't understand how he wins because the other guy fight, fights, you know, in the worst way possible. I don't think that's going to happen here. Malat does not control the uh, the fight very well, the pace of the fight. He doesn't really direct it where he wants. He backs up. He's backing up against Hakeem Dawadu, all right, a guy who's much smaller than him, much smaller than Mickey Gall. This guy doesn't really have range finders. He's going to throw some He's gonna throw some leather in there. He's not scared to engage, right? I'm not. I call him this guy like a bitch or a pussy like that's not what i'm saying <laughs> but there's there's no way that the skill gap here is at the point where it is here mickey go has much more experience than a lot yes Malat has been training in the in the in, he's been in the training room with a lot of these guys getting them ready but who we saw slava borscht right slava borscht is working with these can't boys wrestle. at alpha male can't wrestle one fucking he can't bitch. wrestle one lick and this guy's been training at alpha male for a long time and Malat's been like a coach over there i don't know what's going on at alpha male but all they do, I think all they really do is spar. I think that's the issue there. All You'll see these videos. You see fucking uh, Song Yadong throwing, you know, spinning head kicks and, you know, guys running away from him in that open style gym. So, you know, I'm going to back Mickey Gall here. I think uh, all the prices, every line in here, I don't understand it. The, the, the overs, the doesn't go the distance, the 
doesn't go the distance is minus 300. <laughs> that's crazy. Okay, guys, like I really that don't get is, it. Ins- doesn't make any sense. So I'm gonna back Mickey Gall here. How wrong could I be against this guy Malat? He's Canadian. Like this dude, I don't think he's like he he gave up on his MMA dreams kind of early, and then they 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 pushed him into UFC. I don't think he's gonna get a win over Mickey Gall. If he does, if he finishes him, I'm gonna be eating a lot of crow. But I don't mind it. Let's back my boy from the Northeast down in the in the Southeast. Uh, hometown fight for him. You know his adopted home state. I guess for his camp. So I think Mickey, I think he sticks him with the jab. I think he starts finding some strikes as the fight goes later on. Got to start, make sure that Malad doesn't start too hot, but I think this will be competitive, but I think Mickey's going to pull ahead, stay on top of him, uh, land some ground to pound, win a decision, or, you know, maybe get a late finish. So like you, what you said just there is like, Oh, I, if I'm wrong, I mean, I'm wrong. It'll be, it'll look bad, obviously in, in retrospect, but like, seriously, does anybody know a legitimate MMA better out there that it that is backing Mike Malat? Canadians, like, Canadians say that Malat is like the real deal Holyfield, and they say like they're like, oh man, this guy was so legit, but bro, there's no prospects in Canada, so any prospect except from Canada, ja- yeah, except Jasmine Jazdavides, I agree. Any but, prospect th- that comes out of Canada, they're like, yo, this guy's great. Nobody wants to fight him because there are no other prospects to fight them. Well, still, again, yeah, I, I doubt many profitable betters out there are are betting Malat as a favorite. I mean, I mean, right off the bat, this dude less than three minutes of fight time in six and a half years. I mean, he only fought three times. All of them were quick round one finishes. He looked, you know. Okay, good in the fights, but still, how can you be betting a guy with less than three minutes in, in a cage in six and a half years? I mean, especially as the favorite, right? I mean, it, it really made that based on that alone, it makes no sense. Then you have coupled in the fact that this guy's a former welterweight, he's not really a natural um welterweight. Former, former did I just say, yeah, what did I just yeah, say? Former, I don't even, um. No. Natural, not a natural uh, welterweight, right? Uh, very little. T- we have no idea how good this guy is. I mean, the spectrum on how good this guy could be could be anywhere from, you know, terrible like Slava Borshev, he or he could be a legitimate prospect. But as of right now, we have no fucking clue. There is no fucking way that you can judge uh, this guy based on his three minutes of fights in time in the past six and a half years. Um, so his best area, Malat, seems to be grappling, which is where Mickey Gall is at his most comfortable. And I mean, even if even if we give Malat uh, the benefit of the doubt and say that he's going to have a good fight, he's going to win. I think I think it's going to be like a, a kind of a back and forth grappling type of fight where maybe he gets on top and they trade top positions a few times and we have some competitive striking exchanges. I mean, I, I really do agree with Ozzy with the, the goes to distance at over two to one makes no sense. Uh, Mickey Gall's money line makes no sense. Uh, the the Malat knockout prop is, is batshit insane. I don't understand it, uh, many of these prop prices at all. So Malat's thirty, bro. Uh, Mickey Gall is not. Th- Malat's old, mm-hmm. is it? He's older than Mickey, Mickey Gall. Gall. <laughs> or are they like the same age? That's crazy. Uh, Mickey Gall is not tapping to a fucking uh, guillotine with no hooks in either. Uh, you know, like I like like I like to say here, I'm not tapping to that. Like just like just like uh, a Kirziev last week. Remember, I told yeah, you, you that, be... you, uh, that I could make it longer. Yeah, I'm t- I'm making it long. I'm not I'm not tapping to a no no uh, hook in guillotine. No guard. Um, yeah, I mean the that kid, if he would have just rolled to his back, like he didn't even roll to his back to try to get out. But also like this dude, a lot. You, you you don't have flow grappling. I could send you. This grappling match that he had, I watched it. 
Dude, he didn't look that good in that. I'll, I'll send you it so you can watch it. He didn't look that good. That's why I bet that uh, the, the the Israel kid. He didn't look very good in that uh, match, and he lost it. Mickey Gall, I think Mickey Gall is a better grappler than him. I really, I like, I right. really, really, me do. too. I really, do. that's all we got to say. Well, we, we, Mickey Gall money line for real dollars. That's enough about that one. Um, and let's let's move on. We got next fight, uh, banger in the women's uh bantamweight division. Probably one of our favorite woman fighters on the podcast here. Uh, we got Rocky Raquel Pennington taking on Aspen Lad. Uh, Raquel minus one seventy, Lad plus one forty five. Uh, obviously Raquel's the one we're a fan of. Nobody likes uh Aspen Lad except for our boy uh Marcus uh in the Discord. So literally the only Aspen Lad fan I've ever met in my life. And uh, Raquel's just a stud. You know, no other way around it is that she's a, she's a stud. She's always undervalued. You know, minus 135 versus Kianzad was the same price against Macy Shasson. I, I just think the market consistently underrates Raquel. And, you know, she looked good in that um, Macy fight, was jabbing to the body, was landing some nice punches, uh, ended up snatching that nice guillotine. And, you know, I just think that Raquel, well, I know that Raquel is the better striker. No one in the world will, will dispute that Raquel is the better striker, better boxer, hits harder. She's much more experienced, and I think she's perfectly capable of a defensive grappler enough to avoid these, you know, sloppy Aspen Lad takedowns. Lad had, you know, extremely head-scratching performance against Norma Dumont, um, you know, just barely even shot takedowns in that fight, just looked completely shook from the entire, from the moment the fight started. And, you know, remember remember that controversy, Ozzy, after that fight, people were like, oh, her coach is being too hard on her. Like, she was fighting like dog shit, and the coach was telling her she was fighting like dog shit. And then people were like, oh, man, you know, they were just some bullshit excuse for Because she's a woman. Because she's a, you can't be yeah, harsh also, on a woman. <laughs> yeah, mid-fight, right? Him what it in is. the middle of a fist fight. Yeah, right. come on. And also, let, let, let's also say that uh, Aspen Lad is obese, right? She she can't make 135. You know, she had that fight against uh, Shiasen canceled because she can't make the weight. She ca- couldn't make the weight multiple times before. I thought it was a done deal that this woman is going to 145. She fought one time at 145, and now she's back trying to make the weight cut? Like, uh, there's... Aspen Lad, good chance that she doesn't even make weight. I'm saying right now, minus 150 Aspen Lad not to make weight. Uh, you can book your action in my DMs. And, uh, you know, that's all I got to say is Ra- Raquel Raquel's going to clown this girl on the feet. All she's got to do is avoid those sloppy takedowns. Even if she gets initially taken down, Raquel's not going to, you know, wilt like, you know, fucking Tanya Evinger did or or Yannick Kunitskaya or whoever the women did that Lad finished. I mean, Raquel's going to beat that ass. I think minus one, I mean, minus 170 um, is still value. You know, anything under two to one should be value on Pennington. And, uh, you know, I think this opened like minus 135 for Pennington. So, man, just give me Raquel. Let Raquel box her ears off and uh, send Aspen back to Invicta. Yeah, has Raquel ever had issues with her weight? Has she ever missed weight? No, right? She's never had an issue with the weight with the. Scale, I feel like right? maybe the uh, maybe Jermaine once? fight. Maybe once. Yeah, Jermaine. She did one thirty eight. Yeah, so I mean, these girls at one thirty five, like, you know, I always am a little. Don't get me wrong. I love Raquel and Raquel. The the Macy. That's the th- that's the thing that I was thinking. The Macy fight was at one forty five. Cause she, I think, filled mm-hmm. in or something should happen. So that's what I was thinking. Um, because I remember she waited on 145, but it was a whatever, it was it was scheduled there. Um, so by the way, I'm waiting until even though I like the price on Raquel, even right now, I'm waiting because 
I feel like both of these girls could potentially have an issue on the on a scale, potentially, just because both of them fought 145 last time. So I don't want to get caught with my pants down. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, so let's just talk about the fight here. Um, you know, Raquel four and um four and one in her last uh you know a few fights, right? Uh, outside of um the the times where she fought, you know, Jermaine and Amanda, two two former champions. You know, I mean, the only girls she lo- she's also are former champions, literally across every everything, right? Andrade, Holly Holm, uh, Nunez, Durandami, Holly Holm again. Like the only girls. Um, and this fight is greatly favored to to go to go late to go the distance. Um, and Raquel, she showed you in that Pandy Kianzad fight that she comes on, you know, she, she, she's steady. Um, I really, you know, I really like fighters that they never get too high. They never get too low. They always give you a nice baseline and then they can bump it up a little bit, you know, as needed. And Raquel definitely is, is a very feel based fighter. I feel like she knows, you know, when she might be slightly behind, when she might be slightly ahead, when, you know, good opportunities are coming for her. Um, and she's got great cardio, right? She's not going to gas like, you know, Sarge did in that, you know, third round, right? She's not, like you said, going to give up. Uh, and those are two of Aspen Lad's uh, only, the, the only two decision wins she's ever had are against Sajar uh, Eubanks, who should probably be at 125, is a known domestic abuser. So obviously, you know, karma goes against her in any, you know, any judge judging base fights and, uh, <laughs> and, and has terrible conditioning, right? Um, and those are two of her decision, her only two decision wins, right? So, you know, I love, you know, Raquel here. I'm really thinking, like you said, I want to back her here. I kind of want to wait until, you know, the, 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 the scales, but I feel like this line could move up and, you know, settle at minus 200. Because if you look at the lines, man, like I said, you know, Aspen Lad doesn't win decisions, but her inside the distance line is plus 600, right? So, you know, I have a really hard time seeing her beat Raquel two out of three rounds. Obviously, it would have to be with takedowns holding Raquel down in like half guard because, you know, I think if Raquel's in like full guard, like she's just in a push, 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 you know, come uh, stand up, you know, and then, you know, fight from the clinch. So I'm back in Raquel here. You know, I think I, I'm going to have to lay this minus 170, minus one. Yeah. Minus 170, I think is as good as I'm going to get. I'd be surprised if significant Aspen lad action came in. She's just not good on the feet. She's not, she has no intent on any of her strikes, right? Like I, I say it all the time with these women sometimes, like I said, you could give them knives, right? Instead of their fists and she won't hurt anybody. Like if you, if you gave her a five inch long knife, Norma Dumont would be fine. She would not have died in that fight. Um, so, you know, as stupid as that is to say, just to, just to tell you <laughs> that this bitch is not dangerous, you know, on the accurate, feet, you know, this is, like, this is what my coach used to say. Cause like people used to spar and they just be hitting like sissies and the dude's like, bro, I could give you a fucking knife and you wouldn't even hurt him with your jab. Like, what are you doing? So I, I always like that a uh, little analogy, but uh, yeah, like give me Raquel here. Minus 170, I think is good. Decision line is minus 105. Aspen Lad seems tough, but Raquel brings a different intensity there, you know, in that in in in, the, in these fights, right? If you have one look at her, you could tell she's built different, right? If you know what I mean. So, you know, I, I don't think that she can't n- not finish this fight. So I probably just stick to the money line. Yeah, good good point about the lad inside the distance there. I mean, I don't see her getting multiple takedowns and winning multiple rounds with that. If she's getting multiple takedowns, I think she probably will try to translate into a finish. So 
her, her knockout and sub props inside the distance are, are probably the better way to play her. But uh, don't forget that uh, did uh, Chasten got steamed in the last like 36, 48 hours uh, in that fight against Raquel. So we might get a better price on Asp, uh, on Raquel. Um, but that's going to take us next fight heavyweight division. We got uh, Jarzina Rosenstrike taking on Marcin Tabura. Tabura is the, the, the dog in this one somehow. Uh, Rosenstrike minus 150, Tabura plus 130. Your turn to start this one off. Uh, what is this? Is this the only heavy? No, no. Second heavyweight fight on the card. What are your thoughts on this one? Love this fight. I actually think good matchmaking. You know, two two fighters that I feel, you know, Tabura, very, um, Not I'm not saying he's a strange fighter for, for heavyweight, but, you know, he's a different he's a different kind of heavyweight like this guy's pretty well rounded right he's got some stand-up skills but he's like not not to say he's a plotter but he'll come forward he'll like throw head kicks he'll you know he's very diverse with his with his shot selection he's just a, a, a very very different than a lot of these guys and you know i backed him against volkov and i thought that was a very close decision obviously volkov pulled it out uh there late but i mean tabur was a huge dog there and he's been consistently undervalued like you could literally have gotten him at like a pick and price or plus money in every like his other in the Volkov fight. His last five wins: Walt Harris, Greg Hardy, Ben Rothwell, Maxine Grisham, Sergey Spivak. All of those fights, man, he was plus money or pick him, and I bet him every single time. And some of those fights undervalued, man, undervalued every time. Some like the Grisham fight was the craziest one. He was fighting a guy who used to fight a light heavyweight, and he was like minus one ten. And I'm telling guys in there, like, no, nah, this dude Grisham, you know, M1, blah, blah. It's like, bro, Tybro's 252 pounds. This other guy used to fight a light heavy. No way. But either way, so, you know, he's very diverse. But his issue is he's been stunned multiple times, right? Walt Harris had him rocked, right? He obviously got knocked out a few times in these losses of his. But he's got a very well-rounded skill set. Jorginho, we know him, right? This guy's got bombs in his hands. But he does not, I feel, set up these strikes very well. He's a lot, very often, on another guy's uh, beat, on another guy's song, on another, another guy's schedule, right? You know, when he when he lands that shot, you know, you don't really see it coming. It comes out of nowhere, right? That Augusta Sakai one, he was kind of like backing up a little bit, you know, during the whole fight. You know, the Curtis Blades fight, he didn't really get anything going all that much. Um, and then the Serial Gone fight, obviously, he didn't, he didn't either. And even the Junior Dos Santos fight. So, I mean, type, I just feel... Uh, Tybura is such a multifaceted heavyweight and can give um, Jarzino so many different looks that I just think that it's going to be very difficult for him to get into the groove that he wants to be in. But my issue with Tybura is that the striking uh, style that he does present and go forward is very um, open to getting hit. That's why he's been knocked out multiple times because he has that different style of heavyweight. And sometimes if you're coming forward and you're very volume-based and volume-centric, if the other guy has, you know, huge power, it's going to be an issue for you. And Jarzinho does uh, have the big power. So I do understand why people want to back Jarzinho here. Um, you know, obviously, he's a very renowned kickboxer. He's found a KO shot multiple times. And 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 we've seen Tybora be susceptible to that. But I've committed to riding Tybora until the wheels absolutely fall off. And I'm going to keep doing it here, especially at this plus price. Um, I do think if I do think if Tybura takes him down, this is like no offense to Curtis Blades, but like Curtis Blades is I don't know what he was doing in that fight because he could have pushed 
to like cert like come on man you could push the circle around him Tybora, once he does get on top, I do think he has a level above jujitsu wise than a lot of these heavyweights have. And uh, and I think that he's gonna win this fight here against Jorzinho. He could get sparked, you know, at any point, obviously. But I do think that he's very cognizant of this now. He's getting he's getting more and more experience, right? He's got like double the fights of Jorzinho. Um and and he's got some power as well. So I'm I'm hoping that he pushes Jorzinho back. Gets a double leg, takes him down, and finishes him. But if not, you know, I don't think that Jorzino is going to be uh, coming forward and and and, and um, producing, you know, like uh, uh, his offense, right? I think it's going to be more of a counter. So I think uh, either way, Tybro is going to be winning the fight until he's not. So at plus money, I'll back him and hope that uh, he could get this one done. Yeah, I mean, Ozzy nailed this shit on all fronts. I'll, I'll try not to spend too much time on it because I agree with. Virtually everything the man just said, uh, but you know, Tabura is the easy spot here. Uh, his past nine fights, right? Uh, every fight that he's won, he's landed a takedown. Every fight that he's lost, he hasn't landed a takedown. He's no dummy. He knows that wrestling is the key to his victory. He sh the statistics, which you know mean, say that he shot sixteen takedowns versus Alexander Volkov. I don't believe that number, um, but. You know, obviously the guy knows where his his specialty is. He's finishing guys on top. Uh, he finished Greg Hardy, Walt Harris on top. Uh, the wrestling has led to his five-fight win streak. And he's fighting, you know, a, a dangerous kickboxer. And he, he's going to know he needs to get the fight to the floor. And, you know, with with the striking, obviously Rosenstrike is the better striker, has more power. But Tabura is no slouch on the feet either. He's going to be, you know, competing while the fight's on the feet. And, you know... The, the margin of the fight is probably like 70-30 for Rosenstrike when it's striking, right? But when it's grappling, it is 110% in favor of Tabura. There's no possible way that Rosenstrike can have any success in the grappling in this fight. While Tabura can still probably give, you know, Rosenstrike some issues. Rosenstrike's a slow starter. He's a counterpuncher. He's typically looking for that one-punch uh, knockout type of shot. And if you just get in his face and throw a bunch of strikes, I mean, you can give him some trouble. Uh, so. You know, to burst the spot here, not much more needs to be said. Uh, you know, you got you got to be backing him here. One takedown probably uh, can either translate a finish or just uh, change the entire course of the fight. And, you know, to burst easily the side here at plus 135. I'll take him uh, for a unit minimum on that for sure. Uh, and then that's going to take us next fight. Last fight in the prelims. We got Ian Gary taking on Darian Weeks. Ian Gary, massive favorite, minus 365. Darian Weeks, plus 290. Uh, another fight where I don't think you know, I, I, I'll try not to spend too much time on, but you know, Gary, young prospect, very unproven. I think the guy has a lot of weaknesses. His boxing defense is no good. He pulls his head back in a straight line, very hittable. We've seen him hurt. We've seen him rocked. Uh, he's not very experienced late in fights. Uh, most of his pro career has come in the past two or three years. So this guy is just nowhere near good enough to be uh, minus 300, 400 against UFC level competition. And weeks might be fringe UFC level, but I mean, the guy impressed me in his, his short notice debut against a uh, Barbarina. I mean, Barbarina has got 20 fights in the UFC weeks fought him on one or two weeks notice. He had three competitive rounds on like a week's notice. So, I mean, the guy completely overperformed in that fight, in my opinion. 
And he's got a deep amateur background, got like 17 amateur MMA fights. Uh, he's been in the MMA game for a long time. I think he might have wrestled a little bit in high school too. So I, I just think that, that he's going to give uh, Gary problems everywhere, especially in the striking. He seems he has good cardio, solid striking. He's not a bad defensive grappler. I would probably say that Gary's biggest advantage here is the, the, re- uh, the grappling. But Gary's wrestling is nothing special either, so... I don't know. I don't see Gary being capable of covering minus 365. He he was the same price versus Jordan Williams, and Jordan Williams gave him a lot of trouble early on. Uh, you know, Jordan Williams was frankly busting him up in the first uh, round of that fight before getting finished. So, you know, give me weeks. Uh, don't go crazy on the line because, you know, I, I do probably ultimately see him losing. He'll probably win a round. He'll probably start well, but then eventually lose. But, you know, my plus 290, that's an easy bet for me. Uh, you know, let's hope the dogs keep barking and I'll pass this one over to us. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I like Weeks coming into his UFC debut. Obviously, he took that in on short notice, and I feel if he had a, a full camp, he would have beat Barbarena. I thought he, he showed uh, himself really well there. I thought his distance management was all right. I thought his shot selection was very good. Um, but ultimately, you know, he did, did uh, end up tiring out, and uh, Barbarena did what he does and ended up overwhelming him. I do agree that, you know, this fight is, is close, and these odds indicate. I mean, Jordan Williams is not a good fighter. And, you know, Ian Gary... The thing is, he's billed as a master striker, but I mean, this guy gets touched a lot on the feet. You know, he he's a. Uh, I'm not saying he's he's not. I'm trying to find the right word for his movement. Like he's a little bit uh not not that it's unconventional, but like he likes doing the the big movements to like you know slip away and move away from punches. When I mean, all the guys got to do is ke- just keep your fucking hands up. And you won't get hit with some of these punches that you're getting hit with when you're like exiting out or like finishing a combination, right? Um, but what what it does do is uh, it does present uh, some opportunities for him to uh, to find a KO shot like he did against Williams. But you know Williams down at 170, diabetic. You know was it, probably should have been cutting that weight anyway, <laughs> right? You know saw Mickey Call fucking rock his shit, right? I was on him there and on Mickey Gall that is. Um, Right at, at 170, you saw this dude, uh, you know, Ian Gary rock his shit as well. And uh, I just think that uh, Darian Weeks, I think he's got a better chin, right? He's, I think he's much more dirt. like this dude. I'm just playing it back again. Like this guy was dead on that punch that uh, Gary hit him with. Um, and I think that Darian Weeks has better durability. I think Jordan Williams was a little compromised there. Um, and I feel that Weeks actually has like a better like process overall like he kind of knows what he's trying to do a bit more than the guy like jordan williams is just like a garbage man like he's just out there to do put out volume you know hope to get you tired you know and and then hopefully win the fight but he's super sloppy and that's why he got hit with that bomb uh against uh gary i think that weeks he's a little bit more reserved i think that you know with that one ufc fight under his belt where i don't think that he had gone the distance before that i think he knows what it's like to be in a contentious fight and gary you know he switched that camp right he down to sanford but i actually thought he looked better in that um cage warriors fight against uh jack grant than he did against uh jordan williams so i actually think this is gonna be a much closer fight than the odds definitely indicate i think that weeks can very much hold his own on the feet. I actually think the better path for success for uh, Gary would be to try to take him down, which I do think is going to happen. So I'm curious to see uh, if the line, you know, goes up. If at pl- I'm going to make plus three thirty or three forty, right around there, my buy point on taking like a little stab on um, on Darian Weeks. Um, here, the 
the over one and a half is pretty juiced, almost two to one in some places, right? But if that comes in a little bit with some of the hype, maybe some of these hype videos, maybe the stare down where they see that Ian Gary is much taller than Weeks, you know, maybe we could get a little bit better price on the over because Gary, he's a he's not a big volume based guy. He's like power shots, you know, keep you in space and throw punches, you know, throw blitzes there. And a lot of his fights have actually, or a number of his fights have gone uh, into the second round. Um, and I don't think he actually has like the craziest power um, in the world, right? A lot of his uh, finishes are like, you know, finishing up, uh, you know, from stunning the guy. So I'll look at this over potential spot on Weeks. I would not parlay Ian Gary. I think it is going to be competitive. Weeks is a heralded prospect. He's got a lot of amateur experience. So, um, you know, I'll, uh, I'll I'll be keeping my eye on it. But uh, I, I do think that uh, Ian Gary probably uses some of his grappling skills to fight down and ends up winning it. And that's going to take us to the main card, five-fight main card. Starting things off, lightweight division. We got uh, Vince from Hell, Pichelle, minus 123. Mark Madsen, plus 103. Vince definitely got one of the best nicknames in MMA. So you could start this uh, main card off. What are you thinking about this lightweight matchup? Nice. I like that they got promoted to the main card. I don't know who, who was the original fight that they had here that they switched around. But uh, but Pichel, man, this guy has uh, has had a really successful UFC career under the radar, right? Who, who would have thought that Vince Pichel would have outlasted, um, you know, Ally Akina? Right in terms of like longevity of career, obviously Al's had a you know a great career of his own, but uh, Pichel, you know, being having so, so many wins in the UFC, um, you know, now a, a main, getting rewarded with a main card uh, spot against an undefeated guy and Marco Matson. Um, you know, I'll tell you right off the bat, I went into this fight, you know, really feeling like, hey, you know, Pichel's the side. You know, I, I backed him against uh, Austin Herbert. I thought that was a, a pretty good fight overall for both guys. I think they both showed their skills, you know, there pretty well. And I did not really like what I saw in any way uh, in that in Marco Madsen's fight against Clay Guida. The only thing that I like that Marco Madsen does is he he throws what I call what I would call sticky punches where this guy doesn't have a good jab, right? It's not accurate at all, right? He's not a boxer. But what he does do is he'll throw the jab and the shit will miss. But what he does, he turns it right into a collar to tie. And he goes into the clinch and he starts throwing knees and uppercuts and you know getting to probably you know his Greco and all that. But I think there's potential for this to be first L time for Mark Madsen because um, of just like the way that he 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 fights, right? He's not really good at uh you know top control, right? I haven't really seen his ground to pound other than that one minute of hell he really he released on that dude Danilo. Um, but Danilo's an, an absolute bum, so I'm not gonna give him much credit for that fight at all. And that was like in Copenhagen too, like that was like a hometown fight, so you always get a little bump there. Um, but the other fights, like he you know he he wasn't really able to control Austin Hubbard. Austin Hubbard fucking broke his jaw in the last round with like a flying knee. Um, and then he didn't even go for takedowns against Clay Guida. And he just looks so uncomfortable in that in the pocket against Clay Guida that it really put me off of him, right? Like his just how he goes into the pocket, he walks in, his lead foot, like it's angled incorrectly. He turns away from the pocket uh, often. He'll turn away from punches when you're like, you know, swinging at him. And he's very inaccurate himself. But I watched the Vince Pichel fight again 
the Hubbard fight. And it was a lot, very close. We were head to head on that one. And I was talking shit <laughs> to you like after and in the preceding months. But honestly, that was a super close fight. And Pichel to me in that third round looked worse than I remembered. Like I thought he slowed down himself. I thought his cardio didn't look as good as uh, I recall. Um, and he was just very sloppy with some of his strikes. And, you know, if Hubbard had any power at all, I think he could have potentially hurt Vince. Um, I think that Vince, um, he's a slow starter as well. So I think this is going to be a competitive fight. And I think that's why, you know, I agree with the action right now coming in on Matson because, you know, Vince is a little bit, not, a little nonchalant in there at times in the transitions. And that's where I actually think Mark Matson from that wrestling background is is strongest the transitions like going from striking to grappling going from grappling to striking you know where if he gets his hands on you anytime from there any quick transitions from there he's good in or he's competent in space he struggles and um so so i think it's gonna be a close fight my favorite bet on this fight is the goes the distance because i just don't really see either of these guys really finishing each other um, Mark Mark Madsen throws big winding, you know, haymakers. <coughs> but Vince Pichel's pretty he's pretty good on his feet. He moves uh very well. You know, he can switch stances. This is a bigger cage, right? This is not in the UFC Apex like their last uh, two fights are. So I think Pichel has more room to navigate and move around here. But I don't want to pay juice on him. If this maybe gets to pick him or plus money, I could be persuaded to go on the pitch outside just because I think he's got another gear to go into. And I just think that he's much more of a fighter than Mark Manson is. But, you know, I don't really want to lay any juice on Pichel. I think the goes the distance is the right side here because I think both guys will start off slow. Um, I think... Uh, Madsen eventually looks for takedowns here, and Pichel, man, some of the he gave up some ugly takedowns to to Hubbard. Um, so so I'll go. I I, I think I'm gonna side. I don't. Know, I can't pick a side on this one. I think the value is plus money on uh on Madsen. I think it's that close of a fight, but uh, goes the distance. My best, my favorite bet of that uh, of, of this fight. Yeah, I guess I'm a little more confident in Pichel than Ozzy is. And I really like that line you said, that he's just more of a fighter. And, I mean, I definitely think that's true. I mean, Madison, former uh, Greco-Roman wrestler. And, you know, for those of you guys who don't know, Greco-Roman is upper body takedowns. You're not allowed to shoot double leg, single leg takedowns. So his takedowns really haven't transitioned too well to MMA because he goes for those upper, upper body locks and stuff like that. But, I mean... There's a there's a, a non-zero chance that Austin Hubbard might be better at shooting takedowns beneath the waist than Madsen is because that's just not what Madsen is comfortable with. That's not his base. So, uh, sure, Hubbard was able to get uh, Pachel uh, down a few times, but uh, I think that that's not going to be really replicable. You saw Pachel uh, defend really well, get back up from those takedowns. I really think people are looking at Pachel's fights and being like, oh, he got taken down by Gillespie. He got taken down by Roosevelt Roberts, Jim Miller, uh, Austin Hubbard. Oh, he gets taken down by everybody. Madsen's a wrestler. Let's bet Madsen. I really think, think that's what people are doing because, I mean, the striking in this fight, I don't think is going to be very close. I think Pachel is is the much better striker. Um, and in the Madsen fight against Clay Guida, he had some trouble with the boxing of Clay Guida. Definitely not comfortable in the pocket, like Ozzy was saying. And then he also was getting his legs chewed up with leg kicks. And uh, Vince Pichel throws a lot of leg kicks. In the Austin Hubbard fight, he threw something like 
30 landed 30 leg kicks and i mean he just consistently attacks those leg kicks and that's a reliable weapon so uh Pichel's leg kicks his boxing is going to be a big advantage i think his defensive grappling is good enough to avoid getting taken down and even if he does get taken down Madsen not much of a top pressure top control type of guy uh he is the greco-roman wrestler you don't keep people down on the ground for long and i don't think his jujitsu has really come along a, a great way since transitioning to mma so even if he gets a takedown on Pichel briefly i don't see him holding him down for more than 30 or 60 seconds and then Pichel's going to get right back to work chopping those legs and boxing him up and I, I think that Pichel uh, especially in round three um He's going to have a big advantage here, and Pichel's only got to win one of those first two rounds. I think round three should be pretty heavily in favor of Pichel, and uh, you know I'm I'm a little more confident in backing him here. Uh, this line is already uh, confusing me. I mean, the the ads the, the action on Madsen is already uh, a bit you know. Uh, questionable to me so maybe we should wait and just try to get in uh, later but uh, i also agree with the aussie's take on the goes the distance um currently my uh minus 156 on FanDuel, which means the fight ends by finish like 39 percent of the times how how the hell is this fight going to finish 39 percent of the times i mean madison's finishing upside seems very little to me but shell I guess has a better chance of getting a knockout, but even him, I, I don't see it being mo more than 20%. I, I think a finish in this fight is like in the more of the 25 to 30% range instead of the 35 to 40% range. So uh, goes the distance, Pichel, maybe some Pichel round three props as well. What is that? Plus 1400 on Pichel round three. Look out for that one. And uh, that's going to take us to the next fight, women's strawweight division. We got Mackenzie Dern taking on Tisha Torres. Uh, Mackenzie Dern currently minus 113, Torres minus 107. I know it's my turn to start this one off, but I I'm going to pass it back to you, Ozzy. I know you're more excited about this fight. Uh, so uh, if you're cool to start things off here, uh, what are you thinking about this one? All right, yeah, so... Dern, Dern versus uh, Tisha. Love this fight. Awesome fight uh, in, in the women's uh, 115 division. Obviously, you got Dern coming off a main event loss. Uh, Tisha, on the other hand, uh, prelim fighter. Obviously, right, she's been, you know, chopping chopping through these uh, bitches, right, these low-level um, girls like Sam Hughes, Angela Hill, no offense, bro. And uh, and what, what's the last other girl's name? I don't even remember. It doesn't about uh, Brianna Van, Van Buren. Buren. Yeah, Van Buren. So, I mean, Tisha... They've built her up really nicely, right? There was a point where they actually thought Tisha was, like, good, right? They were, like, giving her these high-profile fights, right? Marina, Weili Zhang, all those fights. Then they figured out, they're like, nope, this girl's not it. So they had to give her a little step down. But what you do in these matches, you build these up. And then when you have Mackenzie Dern coming off a, a main event loss, then you throw you throw these this kind of girl who's been built up throw her to her so she could tap her out and then get right back up to, you know, to doing her thing. And that's what's going to happen here. You know, I have very little doubt that when this fight hits the ground, it's an instant submission for Mackenzie Dern, okay? You know, I've learned in all my years that, you know, uh, these Taekwondo karate people, they just, there's something with them, man. They don't take well to the jujitsu. And watch the Angela Hill fight. Okay, if Angela Hill is taking you down, you got serious issues, like big, big, big time issues. Like Angela Hill's been training, you know, MMA for like 10 years and like she barely is a purple belt. Like I think she got her purple belt 
after you know taking down Tisha Torres a bunch of times, which is really really sad uh, to say. And you know, Mackenzie, man, people want to clown on her. They want to talk, you know, talk down. But when this the fights hit the ground, this girl cuts through people like butter. Okay, you saw that fight against Nina. Yeah, like that was I would tell I was like grinning ear to ear because it was just such a smooth dest destruction of Nina. And, you know, I know people will knock um, McKenzie's takedowns, right? They're like, no, she doesn't have good takedowns, you know, 6% takedown percentage, all this stuff. All true. Those are facts, right? Those are statistics, right? She took Marina down, though, a few times, right? And the only reason I feel she didn't submit Marina is because she got a little too fancy in a, uh, one of those times where she was, like, in, like, that top turtle position where she tried to get, like, that crucifix, like, trapping the arm, taking the back, you know, uh, you know, going for a re-naked choke and all that, um, trying to get her in that shit that she got Montella de, Montana De La Rosa with. If she would have just been calm, took her back, she would have finished her. And then, you know, in the mount, obviously, I think uh, she, she, she just didn't have enough time there. But, um, you know, Tisha just, she can't defend on the ground. And the way that you can, like, the difference in taking down a girl like Marina and a girl like Tisha is just so vast. Like, I see people saying, oh, Tisha, she's so ripped. She's so strong. She's going to be able to defend the takedowns. You know, dude, no. Because the for anyone that's grappled, you know that, like, two people could be the same weight. You know, one of them being like five foot four and one of them being five foot ten, five foot nine. Just there's a difference in the leverage that you could produce, especially on the ground. And the angles that you could start to get on a girl like Tisha, such a tiny little chick like her, are just immense. Like that's why you're able to just run run circles around them. And you see that with Angela Hill. She's like taking her back, running around her back, pulling her down. Tisha can't even break her grip against the fence when she's behind her. Okay, you don't think Mackenzie Dern, once she locks her hands around Tisha in any way, around any limb, isn't not going to be able to drag her down to the mat? Like, are you kidding me? Tisha's never fought any grapplers, right? She fought Brianna Van Buren, who's even tinier than her, right? She's like four foot eleven, and you know, went to go make a baby, but she's not on the level in any capacity as Mackenzie Dern is. And I mean, you know, I like girls or fighters that are coming out of that five round fight. You know, you you're uh, Mackenzie got very valuable cage time there. She knows what it's like to be in a contentious fight. Like that fight was kind of close over. Like obviously Mackenzie didn't win, and you know I think Marina beat her four to one. But at any point of that fight, you thought and you felt that Mackenzie could have won because you knew that as soon as it hits the ground, this is big, big, big danger. And Tisha, I think, is probably even worse. Than Marina on the ground. Tisha's never dealt with anyone on the mat. At least, you know, uh, Marina, right? She had to fight against uh, Amanda Amanda uh, Hibas on the ground. She had to fight against, um, what's her name? Uh, what's the other girl's name that she was grabbing? Uh, Carla Esparza. How can I forget Carla? Uh, <laughs> ha had to fight against, uh, you know, Carla Esparza on the mat. You know, Jessica Aguilar, Randa Marcos, uh, Michelle... All these, you know, was it Michelle? Yeah, the Michelle Watterson fight was before. All these fights where she, uh, Cynthia Cavio, all these fights where she knew a girl was able to take her down and, you know, mount her and do all this stuff. And she still couldn't stop, for the most part, Mackenzie from doing it, even with how shitty Mackenzie's takedowns are and this and how shitty her stand up is. 
this is not like this is not it, guys. I'm telling you, Tisha throws kicks when she's close. She throws spinning kicks. All her punches or her strikes are what? What are they? They're blitzing attacks. She's running forward, <laughs> you know, throwing the throwing these punches that do no damage, right? They don't do any damage. So you know, hopefully, she, if the, her best chance is obviously winning a decision, right? Uh, I don't. She's 11 and five in decisions, so not even a great record in decisions. But that's her path to victory here. Um, you know, and Mackenzie is, just, I mean, plus 250 for the submission. Like, you bet that every single time with Mackenzie Dern, and you will end up positive. This is, I think that was the same price against uh, Marina, you know, plus 250. It was the same price when I dropped a nuke on the submission prop against um, uh, um, uh, Nina Nunes. And, you know, everybody was on the Nunes side. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, this is, like... This is going to be no contest once it hits. Mackenzie Dern is one of the best grapplers, female, that's ever walked the face of the planet. And you're getting a plus 250 uh, sub prop in a fight against Tisha Torres, who's never, she's never shown you any jiu-jitsu. The only jiu-jitsu she's ever shown you is when she's kicking Angela Hill from on bottom. And Angela Hill's like, what are you doing? Neon belly, bottom mount. Tisha Torres is throwing punches from bottom out. It's ridiculous. Mackenzie was two to one favorite over Marina. And now you get her pick them against Tisha Torres. Dude, this is best bet of the best bet of the night for me. Could be a homer. Jiu-jitsu jujitsu in the women's division is just so strong. It's just too strong. Like you could be hurting. Mackenzie could be in the 14th minute of this fight, and she could trip over, grab Tisha's leg, and rip it off. And is is done. So you could bring up the Hannah Cyphers fight, but Mackenzie Dern, if anyone's getting better, is Mackenzie Dern. It is not Tisha Torres. She's gonna win this fight. I'm on it big. We're doing this. There's a reason this line's flipped. It's Mackenzie Dern time by submission. Take some inside the distance. Take some under. She's gonna finish Tisha. I agree with virtually everything except i don't really think dern is is getting better unfortunately but i don't think she needs to necessarily get better i think that the dern that we've seen several fights ago would still uh you know beat uh torres i mean you know what you said with the the best point is that that torres needs a fifth, 10 to 15 minutes to go right for her. She needs to win two out of three rounds with her striking to stuff takedowns to avoid being on bottom, to avoid being tangled up in a guard pull or any type of leg lock entanglement. She needs 10 to 15 minutes of time for the, uh, to go right for her to win this fight. While Dern needs one takedown, one guard pull, one, you know, slip, one caught kick. And, uh, you know, Ozzy sent some some clips of the that Hill fight, which I honestly didn't remember. I was just traumatized from Angela Hill losing so badly. But, um, yeah, I mean, like uh, Torres falls over throwing a kick and Angela Hill instantly mounts her. Or uh, one time uh, she's throwing a kick and... Uh, Angela Hill gets to the body lock, gets a brief takedown. I mean, like like you said, I mean, all you had to see was her getting taken down and her getting mounted by Angela Hill uh, for me to, to side with Dern in this fight, honestly. I mean, I know Torres is a better striker. She might be the better athlete, better footwork and whatnot, but it, it doesn't really matter because all Dern needs is one opportunistic moment to get on top and to translate a finish. I'm not quite as confident that, that she's going to instantly tap her, but, but I think that, you know, obviously she can attack uh, submissions from all angles, uh, brew naked chokes, arm bars, uh, leg lock, knee bars. She can do it all from, from the jujitsu standpoint. So I think that a takedown will uh, probably be the fight. Um, but 
didn't she go from mostly ground and pound versus Marina in round two? I feel like she didn't. I mean, you kind of were talking about this. She kind of wasted her time throwing strikes there while she should have been looking for that sub. But I kind of rem- I, I kind of forget the sequencing, but I just remember there was one time where she was like top mount on her, like knees all the way all the way up under the armpits. Like Marina's like holding her, holding her back or whatever it is. I don't know. All I know is that Tisha's getting submitted on That's Saturday true. night because all like. All of her offense just runs right into the lion's den of, you know, be a grappler. It's like she's throwing, like she's throwing teeps, she's throwing push kicks, she's got short ass arms, so she never throws a jab. She like, I mean, this I don't, I really don't see why anybody would want to back Tisha Torres at this price. Because yeah, is she quick? Yeah, she's faster than uh, Mackenzie, but she needs to get super close to to be able to do anything, and. As soon as Mackenzie grabs her, dude, she's gonna take her down. It, I like, I just don't see. And if she doesn't take her down, she'll pull her on top of her and go for a leg lock. Like, you think that the men, like anyone that's watched uh, ADCC Abu Dhabi trials this past weekend, you think that the men's, like, you know, people watch those grappling matches with the men and they're like, whoa, holy shit, like these guys are the gulf of a good women's grappler to like a average one or a great to an average is so big. It's just like, like incredible like i can't even describe it to you like the difference between a blue belt and jiu-jitsu on the men's side and a black belt is becoming very shorter and shorter but between women blue belt and uh you know women black belt is becoming bigger and bigger because these girls just don't tisha does not train jiu-jitsu oh we gotta we gotta move on we gotta move on sorry i'm Um, sorry but tisha does not do jiu-jitsu we got the most Interesting fight on the card for me, right? I mean, obviously the the two uh, title fights are, are interesting. We've seen Jan Sterling before. I don't, I don't. I just, I just went through my most. I don't really think uh, Jung, you know, will be that interesting considering he doesn't deserve the title shot, and I think his chances were th- are thin. But this fight is the one I'm most excited for. Obviously, I feel like it's it's. I think it's the number one fight that people are looking forward to uh, on the card uh, in general. Welterweight division: Hamzat Chimaev, Gilbert Burns. Chimaev, uh, is, you know, minus five fifty. Burns is like plus four hundred. I don't have the exact line in front of me. I'll pull it up in a second. Um, but uh, yeah, bet online. Chimaev minus six hundred. Actually, Burns plus four hundred. So obviously, there there are still a lot of questions out there about Chimaev. Uh, we haven't seen him in ex- uh, prolonged striking exchanges. We don't know how he's going to do with leg kicks. We don't know how his chin is. We don't know how his cardio is late in the fight. But you know, all signs point to this guy being, uh, you know, on his way to being elite, right? I mean, the dude uh, is an insane athlete, you know, huge for this one 170-pound uh, weight class. Obviously very fast, looks like a, a powerful striker. And, and and what we know the most about is that he is a fantastic grappler, a strong wrestler, great top position, nasty ground and pound, can submit you from all angles. So even though Hamzat's UFC competition has been pretty weak, I mean, the skill set that he showed in those fights, I think, does, you know, translate extremely well, right? Like, sure, he hasn't beaten enough uh, enough high-level names, but I think people get a little too caught up with the names. Oh, he only beat John Phillips and Rice McKee. Okay, but the skill and the wrestling, the grappling that he showed in those fights is still going to beat the majority of UFC middleweights and welterweights. And I, like I said, people get too caught up on the names. And... I think that the Gilbert Burns, though, has got to be the best opponent that that Chimaev has fought by a pretty gigantic margin, right? Like like uh, Mearshart and 
Jing Liang and that Ali Kariskov guy from before the UFC, uh, maybe they're like C plus fighters, right? Maybe B minus on their on their best day. But but Burns is you know a solid A minus fighter. I mean, very very good in all areas. No glaring weaknesses. And obviously, this is a huge step up for Chimaev, and Burns is still a four to one dog. So you, you I mean. Initially, the way I was thinking is that, you know, Chemaev does seem to be the real deal. I don't think that betting against the guy is necessarily the right side of history to be on right now. But the longer, the, the longer, like I've thought about this fight, the, you know, just thinking back on Burns' career, rewatching the Usman fight, right? If Burns can steal round one off Usman, if he can, you know, maybe shake Usman up, drop him with that punch a little bit, had some early round one success. If he can unanimously win round one against Usman, who is the proven best welterweight in the world are we really sure that he should be a four to one dog over Hamza Chimaev um now ultimately I see Chimaev winning right ultimately he's a justified favorite I, I I don't see him losing here but I think Burns has two windows to win here the early window which is the first maybe 60 90 seconds where if these guys are striking with one another the the fight is early the chins are, aren't tested yet Burns could clip him could maybe hit him with some hard leg kicks and you know uh limit Chimaev's movement he could clip him with a punch just like he did Usman um but the middle part of the fight after the first minute, I think should be mostly Chimaev, right? I think Chimaev is going to start to grapple. He is the better wrestler. He's the much bigger fighter. Um, his, his top control looks really good. He can possibly uh, ride um, burns out against the fence, you know, get some cage pushing in there like Gunnar Nelson did. Maybe get a quick takedown and back take like Damian Maya did on burns. Um, but then the second window that Burns has is the second half of the fight where if he's able to survive the first five to seven minute onslaught from Chimaev, how is Chimaev's cardio going to look? We have no idea how it looks. We, especially at this welterweight weight class where he's going to have to cut a lot more weight. We have no idea what his cardio is going to look like in the second half of the fight. So Burns can win very early. He can win in the second half of the fight, but in that middle portion of the fight, I think he is going to be going through some, some rough patches there getting uh taken down grinded against the cage getting controlled and uh i don't know it's hard to also imagine how chimaev is going to finally get the fight done is he i don't think he's going to submit burns right that that seems like the most unlikely thing to me is chimaev submitting him but you know he might he might get him out of there with ground and pound burns uh has been a little chinny throughout his career um you know usman was able to drop him multiple times and and finish him there so and it's I could see a lot of outcomes happening on the, on the, in this fight. I mean, so many different outcomes. I think the only one I can I don't even know if I can write off Chimaev's submission, honestly, right? Because if he's nailing him with ground and pound, and then Burns opens up the neck and says, you know, I don't want to eat any more of these punches, he might give up the neck. You know, we've seen crazier things. Rodolfo Vieira got submitted, so you know. It's not out of the question. So, I mean, I'm really, really looking forward to this fight. I want to see Burns test Chimaev. I want to see Chimaev go later in the fight. I want to see some new information about Chimaev. I think it would be kind of boring to see Chimaev just run through Burns and not learn anything new about him. Uh, but it also would be immensely impressive, right? So, I don't know. I guess my official gun to my head prediction, Chimaev round two knockout. But uh, I just hope Burns makes it interesting. Um, you know, I, I'm not exactly endorsing the Burns money line, but there's only obviously one money line you could bet in this fight, right? It's the dog, it's Burns. It's just a question of do you want to take the stab on the four to one, or uh, do you want to, you know, look for some other way to play the fight? So I'm 
10 out of 10 excited for this fight. Can't wait for this one. What's your excitement like for the fight, Ozzy? And what are you thinking for your prediction? Yeah, you know, I was I was joking. I'm 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 super pumped, you know, obviously to to see this fight. You know, obviously Hamza is just like a total not you know, mystery or whatever, like yeah, Enigma, like this it was unfortunate that he had to take all that time off uh after the 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 Mershart win because that was just like I mean, I, my jaw was on the floor when he just one punched Mershart. You know, Mershart's talking about how he doesn't remember like half the day after after getting hit with that punch um and then I, I i was committed at that point to putting you know half my net worth on chamaya versus leon edwards i just thought he was going to totally destroy him um and then he he didn't disappoint in that uh jin liang fight now you know against burns though when when they're matching up you know the biggest issue like you said is you know uh Shemayev is saying you know in in some of these videos that he's like 190 189 and that's like uh maybe like eight ten days out which is not that crazy but this dude is super lean and 170 is a cut man and i've caught weight and you know you definitely aren't you know you're definitely not built for 15 minutes if you're Excuse me, if you're um if you're cutting weight like that, especially with the ferocity that this guy fights with, like the shots that he throws, you know, when when you see like some of the, the these fights that he's had, you know, they're they're vicious strikes. And you know, Burns has shown that chinniness, but at welterweight, you know, I don't know, like obviously uh uh Usman finished him, which I think is also uh is interesting because Burns slipped up there in the fact that he just expended too much energy um you know in that fight and then and then was able to be taken out and that's why a lot of people I think are seeing you know and and doubting the fact that even if Chamayev is maybe a little bit compromised by the way even if he doesn't get Burns out of there right away like does Burns really have the conditioning you know to push Chamayev to to put him on his heels to to take him down and, and and then you know produce you know offense once he gets ta- once he takes him down or vice versa if he is defending you know some of his grappling because he was very content to be on his back against Usman and if he's going to be on his back and not you know pushing the pace on Chamayev Chamayev's going to eat him up I think if Chamayev can control the pace of this fight I just think he's going to be able to dominate Gilbert Think he's gonna be able to just start just you know demoralizing him and and putting big strikes on him you know and eventually finishing him so gilbert needs to take you know the the uh he needs to control the pace of the fight and that's gonna be super difficult because this dude shamayev obviously right he's got he, he's a he's a, a a locomotive but you know if you look at the last opponents that gilbert's face right steven wonderboy thompson tyron will damien these guys man they don't got the juice like shamayev's got the juice right to put it bluntly those guys don't got their T levels are not the same. Okay. That the testosterone is not the same between those 40 year olds that Gilbert Burns has been beating up and Chamayev, this 27 year old fucking savage. And, you know, I don't know if you know the history of like athletes and stuff, but 27, 28, that's when these motherfuckers, you know, this is when they start, you know, crushing guys. Um, and that's really the prime, I feel, in MMA as well. I feel like that's when you really start hitting it. Um, for sure.
So, you know, I'm really curious about this fight. I do think on the feet, if Burns can keep some of that high guard, if he can, you know, uh, you know, stay patient, maybe work some of his jab a little bit. But the problem is his range, him at range hasn't ever been, you know, really great. He's been a kind of guy who looping hooks, you know, blitzing attacks, you know, yeah, he'll maybe throw a few leg kicks, but I, I doubt he's going to want to chop the leg too much here. Um, so, so I'm very skeptical um, at that. And I know Chemayev, you know, he has pretty good movement on the feet. He can switch the southpaw. I think that it, he he might approach this fight a little slower than people than people think, just because he, he I think he respects Gilbert Burns you know a bit. I think he knows that this guy's you know tough and all, and you know even if he was to go take him down, like I I don't think he's gonna be able to to like jump on his back or you know you know sink in hooks and do what he did to Jing Liang uh, as easily here to Burns. Um, but man, this is gonna be a tough fight for Gilbert Burns. He's gonna have to go to hell and back to do it. I just don't like, you know, what I saw in that uh, Usman fight. Um, you know, being comfortable being on his back. So, you know, I I do think that Chamayev is gonna end up pulling away with this fight. I think this guy's a different level. He's a different kind of beast in this welterweight division. I think it's all about his ability to make this weight and not be compromised. Right? You you hear about him in the, in in the in the gym and all, and that's a setup potentially, right? It, maybe not potentially for him specifically, but you always hear there guys that in the room they're the best in the room. And Chamayev has shown he's amazing in the cage as well. But the weight cut matters man get you know him fucking up sean strickland when he's 190 pounds and fully hydrated and all that good stuff you know it's one thing but cutting down to you know bare bones you know and then trying to rehydrate and, and fighting a world-class guy the next day i'm telling you it has an effect on people and i know this from first-hand knowledge uh of cutting some uh, you know a decent amount of weight when when i fought so um i'm gonna pick chamayev I want to see him win. You know, I'm a jiu-jitsu guy, so I love Gilbert Burns. I love to to see him. You know, I don't care how Gilbert Burns wins. If he knocks him out or if he armbars him, either way, we're claiming jiu-jitsu, um, you know, for the win. What's, what's um, your method that, for uh, Chimaev? How you how you think he gets it done? I think I think it, it's going to probably be, uh, you know, some kind of like ground and pound stoppage, you know, big punch, you know, stun him, you know, push him against the fence, you know, get a takedown and then just start, yeah. you know, unloading with some elbows down on the mat. But uh, I can see it. I can see it. Yeah, TKO. That's what I. That's what. That's what I think. I think. I think he's in the TKO. All right, co-main event time, rematch time. We got, uh, my opinion, top two fighters in in, in MMA fighting back to back. It's going to be amazing. Peter Yan minus four seventy five. Aljamain Sterling plus three seventy five. I started the last yeah. one. You can start this one off. What are we thinking? Oh, yeah. The rematch. The rematch, you know, long awaited, right? We're one year, a little bit more than one year out from uh, from when they fought last time. And, you know, <laughs> I uh, I was on Aljamain Sterling in that first fight. And uh, I definitely, you know, came away easy win. of that. So, yeah, easy win, but 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 uh, but a bit fortunate. Added on that live line as well when it was like in the third and fourth round. And, you know, the first two rounds I thought was were pretty competitive. And that was Aljamain's, I, I'm confident in saying this, worst day that was his worst overall day because he can he can fight that same strategy there was something off with the guy there and now i'm not saying that he's gonna be perfect in this fight because he had that neck surgery which by all accounts significant neck surgery you know a lot of people have said hey you know you normally come back and are the same from that yada 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 um but skill for skill man i don't like or you know just looking at the fight I don't really feel Peter Yan looked that good in that fight against Aljamain. There's a reason they call this guy the funk master. It's awkward fighting him. 
I don't think anyone's ever looked good fighting Aljamain Sterling. Not you go down his record. Nobody's ever been comfortable. And I don't think and if you look at compare the striking exchanges in the Aljamain fight and in the Sanhagen fight, and you can obviously see that, you know, Jan, yeah, he's he he looked great in that fight, but that's what people remember. People remember the last two rounds against Aljamain and then the subsequent five rounds against Corey Sanhagen, where he got a really clean kickboxing fight. He's throwing fucking spinning back fists, cracking Corey Sanhagen, kicking him, punching him to the body, you know, and dominating him. And I'll give myself some a pat on the back. After fading Peter Jan against Aljo, I was on him against uh, Sanhagen. But, uh, but yeah, I just think that Aljamain has just way more upside here. I, I think that, you know, this guy's the best grappler here at 135, you know, super dangerous, um, you know, Obviously, it's hard to get uh, good positions on these bantamweights. Like they're they're fucking, you know, uh, like high, like they just pop up to their feet. You know, once you do take them down, but one mistake, uh, and you have Aljamain Sterling on your back, and you got a big, big problem because this guy trains with legitimate guys. He knows all the back Danaher back attack, all this bullshit, um, and he's crazy strong. You know, crazy squeeze. You know, on the feet, he's got you know a lot of weapons, right? He landed like two or three flying knees on Peter. Young. I mean, Peter Young's got a crazy chin because this guy landed a few flying knees on him. I, I thought his boxing actually wasn't that bad. It's just he's doing these like he's like turning around, like Peter, letting Peter Young get behind him, and I don't. It was just a weird fight about Aljamain. I, uh, he's like diving in on these takedowns at no point. I think. As opposed to all these other Peter Yan fights where you can see the other guy super uncomfortable on the feet exchanging punches, you know, with Peter Yan and, you know, boxing with him. I didn't really, th I thought that Aljamain out of anyone in the first two rounds, especially striking wise, looked the best opposed to Peter Yan. As in, Peter Yan was not finding those big shots as much as he does these other guys. Finding those big combination, landing that left body kick, landing that left head kick throwing leg kicks. You know, I thought that Aljamain had him totally off his game and then just fell off a cliff in that third round. Um, and he definitely had the most success anybody's ever had, other than maybe Aldo in one of those rounds, in that second round. So, you know, at, at plus three, there's no, I don't think there's a weight on the planet that uh, Aljamain should be plus 350 or whatever it is against. I mean, you saw our boy Rafian Stotts fight a fellow Russian Right. I'm not comparing, you know, all these guys, but, you know, just like a slight comparison where you see a guy who he's got a lot of attributes, really awkward to fight. And, you know, they're able to just make the fight way uglier than you anticipate. Um, and yeah, so I just think that Aljamain between the strikes that he's able to put out there, the wrestling that he definitely has in his back pocket and in the jujitsu game and cardio and physicality that he brings in that fight. He's a different kind of guy. I want, there's nobody like Aljamain Sterling at 135 there. And I think him being back, uh, with Sarah Longo, as opposed to doing all that bullshit that he was doing with Eric Nixick and bro, Eric Nixick has like 60 fighters. Like why the fuck are you doing your camp over there and doing all that nonsense, you know, with him and training with all these random COVID related. guys and all that shit, whatever it was, it was stupid. It was, a, it was a dumb decision. I felt, you know, the biggest fight of your life, you're fighting for the fucking title. Um, he's back home. He's, you know, with his people, he's not flying all the way to the West side either. I told guys Al undefeated in the East coast uh, time zone. 
Look it up. Complete fact. It's in the big cage now. So even if Peter Yan is forcing these exchanges and coming forward, I feel like Aljamain is going to be able to move around him, you know, quite quite a bit, uh, use his angles, which Peter Yan, he's a little bit, I'm not saying he's slow, but he's a little, not plotting, but like he's like very in his stance. Like he's just coming for, and Aljamain, I think he could be much more mobile. I don't think he's going to be uh, as... Uh, you know, with as much uh, anxious energy to like dive onto takedowns because there's so much more room to move. I think he can elect to just circle around instead of diving forward and doing all that. Um, can is Peter Yan probably going to win? Probably, but 350 on Aljamain Sterling for uh, plus 400. Give me that. I'll take the sub prop as well, and I'm hoping to bring that belt back and still to New York. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll roll with Aljamain Sterling here. Just, I mean. I don't think there's anyone that should be this favored over him in, a, in an MMA fight. So I'm pretty confident in, in Jan to get the job done. And I do agree with, with some of the points Ozzy made where, um, you know, value side before the fight. I mean, I do think it is Sterling. I mean, the, the recipe for betting Jan is wait one round and live bet him. And that I, I had that same thought process versus Corey Sanhagen and it came to fruition, you know, magnificently. He was pick him after round one, and he just completely took over the fight after that point. Um, so he, he he's a slow starter. He he downloads that information. He makes the reads. He he turns it up as the fight goes. So that's not a good recipe for betting a guy pre-fight because you're gonna get a better price. You know, some point during the fight, five, seven, ten minutes in. And I think Sterling will look better than plus 375 early on. The only way he doesn't is if Jan somehow still has his timing, still has those reads from the first fight, and Jan just gets to work right away, uh, landing shots. Maybe, I don't think that's a pretty likely outcome, though. I, I think that Sterling will get off to a decent start. I think the guy did fight pretty well in, in, in the first two rounds of that fight versus Jan. Uh, but in my opinion, he's got to let off the pressure a little bit. You know, he was so in, in Jan's face that entire time that, that it gave Jan the, you know, a little bit more, um, I don't, I don't even know. It, it rushed Jan into, into sitting down on his shots a little bit more. But if, if Sterling took the fight a little slower, maybe backed up a little bit, uh, you know, was landing those, those long, uh, those long front kicks of his, those long jabs and just not constantly feeling like he has to pressure Jan. He could have maybe sustained that success for a little bit longer than he did. So, um, I think he will have similar success here just cause he's so janky, funky, uh, with those long kicks, those with his length, he, he, I mean, he's a good athlete. He's he knows how to use his striking well. But uh, I mean, I do think that Jan is the better overall striker. He's certainly the much harder hitting striker. I think he does much more attritional damage. He rips to the body well and, and zaps guys' energies out in in the later rounds. And uh, you know, I, I he's definitely the better five round fighter, right? Way more experience over five rounds, better cardio more damaging striker. And in the first fight, we thought the wrestling was going to be a big deal, right? Aljamain was just coming off of the, the, the Corey Sanhagen submission. People thought myself included that Sterling was going to be a real wrestling threat, but to everyone's surprise, I think probably the most shocking moment of that entire fight or the moments of the, that fight were how the wrestling exchanges went and how one sided those exchanges were for Jan. I think Sterling solidified one takedown for a few seconds there, but the majority of the takedowns, the exchanges in the wrestling were going, Jan's way, which was, you know, shocking to see. So now Sterling doesn't have a big portion of that win equity with the takedowns that he had the first time. So it is appropriate that the guy's a much bigger dog than he was the first time. 
But I do think that plus 375 is getting a bit disrespectful uh, for Sterling. He is still a top 15, 20 fighter in the entire UFC. Uh, still probably the you know, second, third, fourth best uh Bantamweight. I mean, Bantamweight is just such such a stacked division right now. I mean, they got Dom Cruz, TJ Dillashaw, and Aldo sticking around. They got the new age guys like Jan Sterling and Sanhagen, um, you know, Fonten, Munoz, and Marab, and Song Yudong. It's just an insane division. And whoever wins this fight, we're going to get a, a bunch more amazing fights with them in the future. So um, I see Sterling getting off to a good start in round one or two, maybe wins one of those rounds. But the, the, the power of, of Peter Jan has the ability to shift this fight at any moment like we saw in the first fight with that big knockdown and um i really do think aljamain was was concussed after that first knockdown because you just saw his movement his balance his decision making was all off after that first big punch landed um and i think that obviously that's not replicable replicable it's not going to happen every time they fight so i think you know, aljo will hang around for the first round or two uh he'll look better than the 375 and then look to live bet peter yan when the tide starts to turn at some point during the second round and uh, i think three four five yan does run away with it um but I don't think he'll finish. It seems like he has the energy and the ability to finish some of these guys, but do just doesn't exactly go all out for that finish. He's just methodical. He's a five-round fighter. He has mastered the art of the five-round fight. And, uh, you know, I think he'll win this fight, you know, 49, 46, 48, 47 at worst. Uh, and, uh, you know, look the live bet Jan here. But the pre-fight side is Aljo. Don't go too crazy on Aljamain because I don't think that he's going to win the fight ultimately. But I think that in terms of a, a, a betting strategy, Sterling before the fight, Jan during the fight, and uh, that should be a profitable way. And, um, you know, speaking of mastering the art of a five-round fight, we got Volkanovski next. Main event time. Featherweight division, the belt is on the line. Champion Volkanovski, minus 800. Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie, coming in a little bit short notice. It was supposed to be Holloway. Uh, oh, by the way, his odds are plus 500. It was supposed to be Max Holloway. Holloway got hurt right when the fight was announced. They got Chan Sung Jung in. So uh, Zombie had a full camp. He's not coming in here on real short notice. But, I mean, right off the bat, you got to say that the guy does not deserve this title shot at all. I mean, he got demolished by Brian Ortega over five rounds. He got one win, and now he's fighting the champion Volkanovski. And meanwhile, Arnold Allen is on a nine-fight win streak and still not the number one contender. So Jung doesn't really deserve to be here in the first place. And man, I just don't see I just don't see a lot of avenues for for Zombie. This this fight sadly doesn't interest me a whole lot. I mean, I love Volkanovski. I love watching him fight, but I don't know. I just don't see much of a path for Zombie here. I don't, maybe Ozzy, you can you, know, you have some more faith than I do, but I think Zombie's going to need a knockout in round 1 or 2. Uh, we have seen Volkanovski get buzzed early on. Mendez dropped him. Uh, Holloway dropped him a few times. But I just think the longer the fight goes, Volkanovski is just so comprehensively better. He's great as the fight goes on, has an insane gas tank. He is elite in all areas of the fight, in offensive and defensive grappling. His boxing is tremendous. His ground upon is great. We saw his submission defense was amazing versus Brian Ortega. I mean, so, to this day, no idea how he got out of those those um, submission attempts. The, the, the guillotine was really deep. The triangle was completely locked in. I, I, I mean, just masterful defense on that triangle uh, to defend that. And, uh, you know, Volkanovski is the pound for pound number one right now, in my opinion. And uh, I think round one and two has the potential to be close. 
Jung uh, does have some power in his hands early on, but I think that power fades really quickly. I think that the grappling success that Zombie had against Ike won't be there against Volkanovski. And, you know, I just, I would be eternally shocked to see Volkanovski lose this fight. But if you have any faith in, in Zombie, FanDuel is hanging, um, Knockout round one, round two at 14 to one odds. That's the way the guy has to win. I think he needs an early finish or uh, Volkanovski's just going to run away with it in three, four, five. And I think Volkanovski will get a finish. The guy is so tenacious with his ground and pound, uh, his pace, his his cardio is so good. He could have finished the Ortega fight multiple times. And I think we're going to see a Volkanovski three, four, five finish here. So I'll pick him to get it done by late finish. So very interesting. I, this is actually kind of an interesting fight to me just because you know, Zombie's a fucking madman. I mean, you, you know, you don't get that nickname by mistake. Um, and, I mean, bro, this is the last title shot. Like, you, you're not getting another title shot, you know, at all. So, you got to go for it. Like, you know, I'm going to be really disappointed if I don't see Korean Zombie just trying to walk down, you know, Volkanovski. Um, and I'm really hoping Volkanovski doesn't come out with his, I mean, you know, Volk, when he pissed me off because i was on brian ortega submission for significant dollars and somehow this guy doesn't finish any of those submissions insane you know the one thing that freaking saved volk was that he went to his back when he got brian got that guillotine because brian wanted to go to guard and if he goes to guard this guy's asleep but anyway um you know i just didn't like like Volk all these like throwing all these leg kicks and stuff like that. I'm like, man, this is corny, dude. Like, you're the best. Go fuck these dudes up. And I think it's I'm I'm gonna be honest. I think it's kind of fraudulent for people to be like Volkanovski's the best fighter in the world. I don't feel that way. Um, I just think that he like he fights optimally to get W's. Like, I just think that's what he does. Like, you know, Brian Ortega, as much as I love the dude, you know, the dude was fighting um Volkanovski in a prolonged five-round fight, and he just cuts too much weight to make to to be performing, you know, uh, at the conditioning at the pace of someone like you know Volkanovski. So I actually think it was a is a decent matchup for him uh, there. Whereas um, uh, Korean Zombie is a good matchup for uh, Brian Ortega because he usually sometimes fights a little slower, and that's what ended up happening in their fight. Um, but he needs to completely change that up here because I think his only chance here is a knockout victory. But he did show that wrestling in his last fight. Although, um, obviously, you know, Volkanovski is a much higher level grappler than uh, than Dan Ige is much stronger as well. But I just really hope that Korean Zombie is coming forward looking to sling leather. You know, I, I'm looking at this guy's pad work. It's looking a little sloppy to me, if I'm being honest, like a little loose. But maybe that's the strategy. It's like, hey, man, like, you know, let's let's throw these shots in a way where, one, you know, you're comfortable with them. But two, it, it is presenting opportunities for Volkanovski because we need to draw this guy's offense out. If you just let Volkanovski chip away, fight at his pace and, and his shots, he's going to pot shot you all day. And that's what he did to Brian Ortega. He pot shot at him, tired him out did all this stuff, and then he started smashing them on the ground. But I don't think the uh, Volkanovski is going to have the same kind of success getting on top of Korean Zombie. I could be wrong on that, but I just feel like Korean Zombie is going to refuse to be held down in like these guard positions and shit like that. Like If it comes to that where Volkanovski is taking him down, I think Korean Zombie is more likely to like just try to get up 
and like give up his back or give up like a very dominant position as opposed to like Brian did where where he was like laying on his back and just getting bombed on for for significant portions of that fight. So I don't know. I just feel like people overrate over I think people overrate the margins in which Volkanovski's really winning these fights. Even in the first like two or three rounds against Ortega. Like did he really like was he really dominating that? Like, did you think that it was like a clear win the round one? I did. You did. I did. You thought you were like, oh, oh, right. But did you come away with that being like, all right, he's going to find this finish, like fighting the way he was in like round one? I just. Hey, everybody. Unfortunately, there was a little bit of an audio problem during this portion of the podcast. Uh, about 30 to 60 seconds of Ozzy's main event analysis got cut out. So uh, I apologize about that. And we roughly start back where we left off uh, here in a second. All right, we got briefly disconnected uh, by the uh, the recording there at the end. Uh, so Ozzy, you were saying something about... Yeah, I'm going to make the smallest bet of my life on uh, Zombie and uh, and hope that he wins. Yeah, I mean, I, so my boy Ortega could get a rematch. I, yeah, I think I think you do got to take some, a little bit on, of those zombie early finish props just in case something chaotic happens. I mean, uh, or or someone did tell me that uh no scorecards for uh three to one for zombie was uh, yeah yeah um I agree with that. He has no chance to win a decision. So um that's gonna do it for the these these fights. Sorry if we went a little long on some of these ones, but they're, they're good fights. The high level fights, pay-per-view cards, pay-per-view podcasts are always gonna be longer. We got 13 fights. And uh that last thing we gotta do, best bet of the week. Ozzy already mentioned his. Go ahead and mention it one more time. Mackenzie Dern, money line. Try to lay as little juice as possible. You gotta take inside the distance and the sub prop as well. But officially, we'll go with the money line. All right. And I, I was kind of debating on which one I'm going with. I'm going with actually with something out of left field here. I'm going Jared Van Der money line. You know, how do you wow. feel about that? Wow. Bold, I feel good. Right? I mean, I feel it's very bold, but I feel okay about it. Like, I mean, a pro Olenek at some point got to slow down. Like, come on. Like, what's going on? Oh, like, come yeah, on. He's slowing. He's slowing. And um, so. is Van, Van Der is like wildly young. He's like 29. Uh, that's plus two sixty odds. Near pick them on both odds, so you know good odds on this one. Uh, plus two sixty. Last week's one, Nikolau and uh, D Casey. So let's keep this fucking ball rolling. Uh, it's a great card. Hope you all enjoy the card this weekend. Uh, thanks to my man Ozzy for joining me as always, and uh, it's good to be back. We got, I think there's like eight, eight or nine weeks of of UFC in a row. So we'll be grinding. May season. I we'll want to mention something. Go ahead. I want to mention something for next week. The Bellator card. I am going to do some kind of, uh, I like that card. I'm going to do some kind of maybe like 20, 30 minute uh, breakdown on it audio wise. So we'll see. Might be Twitter spaces, might be, uh, you know, podcasts on the Martians feed something, but I'm going to talk, uh, break down that card and, you know, try to go over most of the fights there. That sounds fun. You know, the UFC pays me to be, you know, exclusive to them, but, uh, you know, Ozzy does have that good Bellator analysis. So, uh, look out for that next week and, uh, we'll see you all before the next UFC podcast. Thank you all for listening. Hope you all enjoy 273 and, uh, hope you all win some bets, drop some likes and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And, uh, we'll see you all before next week. Peace out. Later.